Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 76 of the Bonehead Podcast, where we talk all things Blood Bowl. Welcome back. I'm Ben, and I'm not joined by Blood Tithe Ben today because he very wisely took a week's holiday to go away with friends and play games. Ben has absolutely smashed it. So we've brought in some regular journeymen, some legitimate Blood Bowl star players. We've got Milton All Block Smith and Ian Warhanam Hanum. Gentlemen, how are you today? Brilliant, thanks, Ben. How about yourself? Not bad at all. Ian, Ian, are you alive? You're right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Helen just sent me a message. Oh. Uh, <laughs> cool. Yeah, sorry. That's all right. Uh, That's all all right. good. Uh, <laughs> uh, do we want to bring Helen on as well? I Hello, pleased first, to be here. First, first surprise <laughs> guest. No. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's awesome of you guys to jump on uh, to cover for Ben. We had to move the schedule around a bit this week. Um, last time we had you guys on, it was Bashful Dash. It was. It was. Which was yeah, um, memorable. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> it was very entertaining. I think we'll have to bring still, that back. Still a bit. salty about it. <laughs> very. <laughs> no, wicked. Right on today's show, we got these guys on, and uh, we were planning on having Ben and Sam Frenzy Garnet as well, but you know what scheduling's like. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the viability of teams of legend. Now, Ian and Milton both actually a bit prolific in the way of teams of legend coaching now anyway ian what's your teams of legend of choice uh so i've done a few kind of over the years uh i guess amazons was one i did fairly recently yeah uh and i guess i'm just trying to think really custom built an absolutely gorgeous amazon team out of uh escher guys from neck from necromunda yeah yeah uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then just kind of mixed in with various bits of human alignment and uh, all sorts for all the like the punch blades and all that sort of stuff. That's all good fun. And uh, and um, but yeah, no, I've I've dabbled in a few other bits of the teams of legend. Well, I suppose we will play the bits and bobs. Yeah, around. as in like yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, played, proxied, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I guess Amazon's are the one that I've actually kind of made and played. You went all the way through to the finals in one of our leagues with them as well, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, that was yeah, just yeah. before the apocalypse, oh, wasn't it? The potentially the yes, un- yeah, back in um, in the before back in the twenty sixteen rules, of course. <laughs> yeah, and, and, <laughs> and Milton, you have very recently um, home not home brewed, but customized your team and took it to a tournament and took most touchdowns in third place with them. Yeah, so I uh, built my Norse team for Sambo. I uh, I like the amount of block they have. I don't think that comes as a surprise <laughs> to anyone. But um, I was actually really shocked about how well how well they did with them. Uh, some great games. And um, yeah, they're a cracking team. I, I love that you took most touchdowns with that team. I was not expecting it. I was not expecting it at all. Anyway, so we've dragged these guys on there to talk about teams of legend and their viability in this format all right they're still great teams but buying them might be risky and the second thing we're going to talk about is just in general competitive gaming thoughts so what's great about competitive gaming why do people do it how does it work in other systems and really just to talk about the fact that at the moment a lot of the buzz for blood bowl has gone boom into league 
Now it's gone into tournaments, which are bringing out some kind of meta shifts and everything and why you should be excited about it or why you should stay away from it. So we're just going to have a bit of a roundtable chat about that. In the background, I'm going to be building some uh, some toys. Um, so uh, I'll try to pay attention as much as possible. Anyway, <laughs> we do have a couple of bits of Blood Bowl news. So we are going to disappear and come right back. Okay, we're back and it's news time. So uh, naturally, there's no Games Workshop news because uh, well, I'm sure they haven't given up on Blood Bowl, but there was a, a, some fun <laughs> comments online that we are going to talk about in a bit regarding that. And uh, let me move this Ian's little goblin face down there. That's probably why you want me to share the screen is because you've got your little rainbow goblin back again from Bash or Dash in. Oh, have I? Yeah, yeah, the little oh, rainbow awesome. butterfly goblin. Uh, who Fantastic. is now Grot Brady, actually, in the new series. Anyway, one <laughs> one Kickstarter is live now. There are a few coming up. So obviously Punga have spoiled a couple of the Chaos Dwarf bits, but not a huge amount of info oh, no. out that I've seen about that. Um, and there is uh, one coming from WA Games or WAI Games. I think they've rebranded. So we uh, will get our hands on those soon enough, the High Elf team. And then there is the kind of Japanese Oni group that has been there's we've seen stls for that kicking around for a little while that's going to land on kickstarter soon i believe in the next couple of weeks so next episode we should be able to dive into those kickstarters but for now there is one live and it is over two thousand percent completed and it is impact miniatures so impact miniatures have got a elf and dark elf fantasy football teams digital and physical 32 millimeter scale elf and dark elf fantasy football players and digital files so this one's got eight days to go as it stands now which means it will fund on friday the 10th so this episode comes out on saturday so you've got a week to back it and if you have a printer i fully recommend it if you don't have a printer but you want all the elf teams in one go i fully recommend it so let me scroll down on the video feed so we can see so there's four different line elf sculpts there's a couple of catches there's three different blitzer poses there's two thrower poses a cool kicker pose which properly goes back to second edition which mm. I, I love it's like i love that bit uh there's a couple of different war dancers and there are four different witch elf sculpts uh basically two with tina turner hair and two with regular normal person hair <laughs> <laughs> gone for the the proper second edition throwback which i love we've got assassins and uh, my personal favorite is the skeleton elf um just for when <laughs> yeah. you've got an undead team i'm really curious about the ears on that yeah, well, I mean, oh yes, you be gone. Elves have ear bones. Well, I guess the thing is, though, if it was not, a, if it didn't have the elf ears, how would you know it was an undead elf? Is that, or is that part of the oh. helmet? Let's Just pretend. A bit closer. Oh, because it's got little band bits. Maybe yeah, it looks like it's strapped on. Uh, maybe Do you know what? Then like glued on the. I elf always or... thought that a long time ago. Um, there's a in old Warhammer fantasy battles. There was a the regiment of renown. Yeah, yeah with yeah. a high elf skeleton in it. That's it. And the only way that you yeah. really knew that it was a high elf skeleton was its armor, because otherwise it just and looked it was like taller. Human. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did they have high elves in that? Yeah, they did. Oh. Yeah, yeah. They're in like high elf scale mail. Dogs of War, Cursed Company. That was wicked. That was that was the Cursed Company was released in like the second wave of Dogs of War stuff, wasn't it? Because mm. well, it was regiments of renown, wasn't it? Because you had the the kind of divide. Oh wow, there is a. Oh, that's just a high elf standard bearer body with skeleton arms. That's absolutely perfect. Um, <laughs> that's one thing I do love about the Punga. Uh, was it the Necromantic 
I think the necromantic team has got like an orc undead person. It's got a dwarf and undead lizard. It's really wicked. Mm. Right. It, yeah. it doesn't do what the others do. Anyway, back on the impact miniatures. They've smashed it. So if you've got a 3D printer for £19, uh, you will get all digital models, which is 21 elf models. So that is everything you need to cover every single elf team. And the benefit here is if you've got a printer, you can just mirror them. Um, so you've got basically double the position, also double the kind of... Um, the poses which is really good so for 19 pounds you get all the stls you need for every one of the four elf teams which is a pretty good deal but the good thing here and i'm really impressed that um, impact have done this 66 pound is that right no 55 pound 28 models printed anywhere wow. in the world delivered in october so 28 models for 55 pounds and that will give you the ability to play every one of the elf teams like that's a pretty good value that's that's really good i it's really nice to see stl um kickstarters plugging in at the same time as physical ones i i know these i don't these aren't brand new sculpts from impact they're basically digitizing and updating their older ones upscaling mm. them and everything and it's a really good move because the sculpts are great now i've actually got and impact were kind enough to share a couple of the stl files and i have printed them off i'm not sure if um if the review video will be live by the time the podcast comes out or not. It depends when Tom wants it to go live. Um, but I printed this off with my new printer and I hadn't really tweaked the settings. And A little flex there. Oh, dude, I'm going <laughs> to complain about printer situation. I got a rage bought another printer. Um, it was a proper rage buy as well. And uh, yeah, without tweaking the settings, they've come out brilliant. And I don't think the renders do them justice. Like size-wise, they're a little bit bigger than the Wood Elves. I think you want things to be bigger than the Wood Elf team because the Wood Elf team is a bit small and the Pro Elf team is a bit big from Games Workshop. This mm. kind of just puts everyone at the same scale. It works. It reminds me of some of like the um, the Willy's miniatures scale stuff. I mean, have you guys do you guys see Rick stuff at club? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly they're slightly like. like taller, yeah, aren't they? A bit taller, kind of a bit more slighter, true scale. Just appropriate for elves to be honest isn't it it is i was really um, impressed um yeah and actually i think well what i really like about these is they're not particularly gimmicky i think a lot of um a lot of teams uh kind of out there and and kind of understandably kind of have to try and do something they really have different have, have to have a hook to don't stand they? out but i think yeah. these just kind of really harken back to that that classic like you were saying the second edition yeah um got some they really capture that spirit but, and they're just really nice sculpts they don't need to do anything um gimmicky. You know, like i think you called it i think you called it gimmicky is the word um yeah so i was really impressed with these the the sculpts are clean the pre-supports are superb i i, I was very happy with that i have a, i have i have like issues supporting things because i'm I wouldn't say lazy. I would just say time efficient. Uh, so yeah, when it comes to supporting things, I get a lot of failures. So the fact I could chuck these on the plate and they were just good to go is a bit of a no-brainer. And it works out about the same as two months of Punga um, Patreon. And that's kind of that is kind of the going rate for STLs now for a team. It's about twenty pounds for a team, whether it's over two months from Punga or just buying the STLs on Cults or some or on my mini factory. Price is good, sculpts are good, and the fact you can get physical ones as well means that anybody who's looking to pick up an extra team or four teams in one can do so for about sixty pounds with postage. Which yeah, that's the thing. It's they're quite hard to compare price wise, aren't they? I think sometimes STLs. Yeah. Because um, you know when you're looking at say like Games Workshop's offering, 
but yeah, you do have to remember with these, like you're not just getting a complete team, you're getting loads. Uh, and you know, if you're trying to compare that to one Games Workshop box, quite often it's a bit of a false comparison. Yeah, because you don't <laughs> always get the full team. <laughs> no, no that's oh, true. oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, I did, yeah, I, did which... <laughs> I did, I did, su- I did super enjoy doing the top five one box, uh, top five worst one box teams on Top Five Friday the other week. As everyone was raging because they were like, well, Goblins has got to be second, Goblins has got to be first, Goblins has got to be first, and then they forgot about Renegades. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the worst one-box team because it can't be in one box. Like, Yeah, <laughs> but they would be a, a perfect uh, candidate for just printing off, wouldn't they? Oh, it's perfect. you can just... Yeah. everyone you can make unique <laughs> and that's it that's that's also their greatest strength but yeah i love this 19 pounds for enough stls for four different elf teams you will never need to buy elf teams again unless when the high elves land which as a team uh, of legend yeah, just... uh, they get different positionals mm. for example which that is for, foreshadowing <laughs> for the uh for our first topic today because that is definitely a vulnerability anyway there's that team there's a bunch of kickstarters upcoming and then what else were we going to talk about there was a bit of news oh should we we go into it now about the fact that games workshop we haven't had any blood bowl releases proper although we've had two new teams we've had like 17 pitches and dice combinations land and we've had death zone we haven't had new since the 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 dice and the pitches don't really count though do they because they're just they're uh, a re-release of the old one a little bit different I think they've they've well, isn't it? You said that the ogre pitch, the re-release for that, didn't even come with the slim down dugout. I did see that, but I I didn't buy it because I still have the ogre pitch like unopened. But, yeah, it's 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 the new boxing, isn't it? The slim slim dugout and slight change to the dice. Although I I appreciate that. Massively. I, quite, I do but, quite um, like the dice that are coming out. I I think it's nice just to have an, another option. Like it's quite a good release, but it. It doesn't <laughs> for when the other ones fail you. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I have been to a tournament and halfway through my first game, I have gone and bought new dice because I was just there was. Uh, oh yeah, it was one of the. I literally s- just empty my box of dice. <laughs> Rotate them, rotating them, yeah. because I don't want to. I don't want to associate a particular set of dice with a particular luck. So, oh, just keep it. Keep That's it very good of you. Do you put them in the freezer when they don't perform though, Ian? <laughs> microwave like yeah to buy microwave is <laughs> very much one and dull isn't it but... yes yeah yeah they had their chance put my shiny metal <laughs> dice in the microwave that's not what helen wanted to talk to you about during the intro was it yes uh the, the microwave smoking uh <laughs> yeah, their dice in the microwave again Ian. <laughs> yeah no. the fridge the freezer was full it's <laughs> <laughs> just full of dice so milton but we, as we were talking about as we were setting up the show you did bring this up what was um what was the what was the angle yeah so i've seen a few people comment about this recently it's just that we've not really seen anything big i know we've had death zone but in terms of like minis and everything i mean the, the new box set was fantastic it included the two teams the star players the referees or everything you need to play the game and more there's so much excitement around all of that happening but you know that was back in november last year um we've now just hit september 
It's yeah. been a we, we've been got... a fair while. And okay, yes, you're right. We've had the dice. We've had Death Zone. We've had and Forge Worlds. To be fair, we've, we've had, had some Forge Worlds star players <laughs> come in three. in drips and drabs, and none but... of them were Rumbelo. Yeah. No. no, I know. Where is Rumbelow? Um, <laughs> Still waiting for him. Grebogames.com, I believe, in is where you need to get Rumbelow from. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a great model. Do. He's got a baguette. It's it's very good. It's very fun. Um, oh well, that's yeah, very it's funny. Halfling. It's funny, Milton. <laughs> like it's been over a year since we went through that whole spate of uh, spoilers and everything. Like yeah. I, it's so good to look back at now to be like this time last year we were in the absolute throes of like what's going on what's the meta going to be what the team's going to be i think it was around about now that we thought dwarves were going to get fixed and it was all very exciting and and the spoilers were landing <laughs> and the community was being torn in half because the cheese got moved and then there was the fact that there was like is it you know should we be looking at the cheese before it's been sold it was all very dramatic and, and exciting but it was proper oh, exciting but it was yeah. then the box set landed then necro landed basically the same time and then we've had Three three star player miniatures, and Frankenstein. Yeah, we had Frank, Scroll, and Gretchen. Yep. Uh, yeah, we've seen a few others though, haven't we? We've, we've seen have. Max, and so we've seen Scylla and Max. Yeah. So, is this then? Do you think this is because now the 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 big games for Games Workshop AOS and 40K, they've had proper delays, haven't they? So, yes, yeah, massive. Well, it's not massively surprising that Blood Bowl's had some delays as well, if that's what it is. The problem is they're not saying that's what it is. Well, I've got two schools of thought on this. I think like the more positive angle, perhaps, is that not everyone's had much of a chance to play. Um, hey, that's, that is definitely... I know, I've not played like an awful lot of um, the 2020 version. I, I, you know, I've I've done a couple of tournaments. We've had a couple of games and stuff uh, here and there, but it's not like a regular, consistent club night. And I've not had those opportunities. And I think there's an awful lot of people in the same boat. And it's not just obviously us in the UK. It's it's a it's a global impact, isn't it? So part of me wonders whether it's just a case of well. Till people have the time to sort of go out, play it, absorb the new rule set, and kind of do that, they've not got any rush to release new new teams and stuff. Um, I, I, if people I, aren't going, people aren't going to rush out to buy and pick it up because they've not been playing with the stuff they've already got. So, do you think Perhaps? that we just expect more <laughs> rainbow content? <laughs> Uh, is it just because Games Workshop, generally speaking, has a constant stream of releases mm. that, that genuinely rivals Magic, uh, rivals Wizards of the Coast? Like, there is new content every month. There is a new thing every month. I mean, we've all chatted about this because we are proper wargamers, right? We are poly gamers to the max. There will be all the different... I mean, I'm sitting here and I've got my Blood Bowl stuff. I've got some AOS units. I've got my Warcry box. I've got an entire fleet of 3D printed Battlefleet Gothic stuff. I've got some Warmaster. Like, I am a poly gamer. And all of these releases, like Kill Team, that's pretty sweet. Like, there's always stuff going on. Um, is it just that we expect that? I mean, this is something that's um, been massively mirrored on the Warcry community. Like, Warcry, is it dead? Like, we've had nothing now for over a year. 
is it dead what are they doing with it are they letting it die are they bringing out new content like are they going to bring a new edition out it's all very much like we haven't heard anything about the game nothing new has happened for three months but but so i don't know if it wouldn't be a terrible thing if they did slow down the release schedule at least like you said milton to kind of let everybody catch up like when we haven't solved the tournament meta yet it feels like we have but then every now but then vampires all of a sudden just destroyed everybody and it's like games over a weekend or something wasn't it yeah nine and oh over the weekend which is absolutely amazing um and i think that's great and i don't i don't know if we i don't know if we and hear me out with this one is and we're going to talk about this when it comes to competitive gaming actually is there an element of a desire of new content to land like a new team uh so that it so that the meta doesn't get solved so that you don't feel quite so far behind um i think for me it's probably more of a just a kind of a, a business thing really um i think unfortunately um blood bowl is relatively smaller compared to uh the bigger games and particularly 40k is the kind of goliath in the in the mix and i think if you have got a backlog and they're trying to kind of work through it they've they've just um prioritized 40k basically um because i think even aos has um been pushed back quite a bit with the stormcast yeah and the uh the oryx book uh, and models um so yeah i think they're just kind of trying to um trying to kind of think about what's going to sell the most get it out first kind of thing um, and then we'll just get piecemeal bits of other systems. So I mean, like Middle Earth, for example, they've they've shared the next two books, but who knows when those are actually going to come out? So you know, they are trying to communicate what's coming up, but I don't think they're really giving much away in terms of the time frame. We can expect that. No, you're right. And from like a business perspective, like the box games have a smaller amount of content. A Blood Bowl team is a Blood Bowl team. It's yeah. X cost, you're done, move on. Whereas there's more like general revenue for the larger wargaming streams where you buy more and more units to complete your, your well, army that, out. I um, can fully accept that's incredibly frustrating. If, if Blood Bowl is your game, and that's your main game, actually, <laughs> you don't really care about anything else um all you're seeing is your game is getting really really slow to none support and it Um, does it does terrify people because yeah um you know this is obviously what you know all this has happened before and will happen again um and (laughs) you know sweet Battlestar reference but (laughs) (laughs) but it is a genuine fear but the good thing is they are they are showing us that there is a future like ian said we've seen star player model previews we know there's stuff coming um and we've seen art for players that we don't even know when they're going to land so there is still a future there which is awesome whereas something like Warcry, um they don't there is no 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 future the one that i, I am showing the next step yeah. yeah i am absolutely baffled why there's not some kind of roadmap for blood bowl um underworlds they put this roadmap yeah. out necro no kill team they, yeah necromunda yeah. and kill team have all got um roadmaps like this is what we're gonna be doing in these months like in this three month period blood bowl just seems to be a bit rogue in that regard and i I, i've i've always wondered if that's because of the third party 
like there's a there is a chunk of third party like represented represented in Blood Bowl. Way more than any of the other games. I don't think we needed the roadmap when we were getting spikes every sort of quarter. Oh yeah, that's that's incredibly true. Like, that is and I missed true. the spikes because it didn't matter. It, like for me, I mean, we've we've got a new rule set, right? And we've had the necro spike, and we had, um, and that included a few extra star players that weren't in the main rulebook. Spike eleven. Was we the already best have spike ever. Yeah. And we already have like a whole bunch of box teams. They've redone the packaging and stuff for them. So they're not new to us. And there's no reason. And we didn't have spikes for them previously. For example, we didn't have a goblin spike. Yeah, but I so... think it's, it's that with 2016, it was essentially, although all the teams weren't out, it was a complete addition because yeah, all the star players had rules. Uh, and I think the problem with with the 2020 edition that we've got is that it feels like it's still missing loads of content Mm. for lots of teams. Um, Whereas 2016, it was pretty much all out there. Uh, So it was kind of the excitement of what new teams, what models are actually going to get because yeah, the rules didn't hugely change. It was very much like what's next. What's next? Yes. Like, so you could be what excited get? more than frustrated, I think. Now it's well, like, because you could still play the full edition. When are we going to get Rumble? Hit- when are we going to get a Crocs? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's like, <laughs> hit the nail on oh, the head. going to get any stars. Because, like, I don't, like, it might not even necessarily be teams that I'm particularly looking for. I think, like, I voiced there, I was like, I'm looking for the spike, but I'm looking for the spike because I'm looking for rules, because I'm looking for the star players that are missing, for the other bits and pieces that we know have been around in the game forever, but don't exist in this new edition. And we've had these teasers of Scylla and um, Max. Max. We know that they're coming, because... It's there, right in front of us, but we just haven't quite got it yet. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I don't think anyone would massively mind the the release speed if they could play with a a complete team with complete stars. I've got to I've got to say though, as far as the Games Workshop games go, like let's let's I tell you what, let's take the teams of Legend out of the situation right now. It's got to be ninety five percent available. Like when it when it comes when it comes to the stars, we're missing Bryce Rumbelo. Is that? Well, it? I was in no, minis. That's in terms of what they've put into twenty twenty. But there's still a load of teams that have basically had all their stars stripped out. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. amusingly, which, which... amusingly, that was the case of two thousand sixteen. It's just that everyone just binned it off and carried on using the CRP stars. <laughs> Yes, yeah, because yeah. Because the yeah, rules hadn't changed. But where the rules yeah. have changed, like the, the stars last edition were, were wildly unbalanced. Like they every star, every team yeah, was just like, here's yeah. here's four new stars that you've never heard of with with new rules, no models, and then they got to lizards and was like, nah. <laughs> now nah, we're done now. We're done now. You're not getting any new stars. That's it. You get one. Um oh, yeah. they had uh, yeah, they had Anki Panky. But they were, he was kind of a standard for Slibly, wasn't he? Exactly, and, uh, but all of that's yeah. gone. You are quite right. Like that's what I mean. Yeah. It is. It does feel like it's the unfinished uh, edition right now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that is. I think that's the big frustration. Really, is there is such an imbalance mm. with and them. weird as well because we got Death Zone with a whole bunch of rules from the previous spikes, like giants and balls and all of those great things, 
which are great additions to the game, but don't moderate the core of it. But I think that just goes to show where Games Workshop are with all of their game systems, although they are changing a little bit when it comes to competitive, but they have always provided a game system as a sandbox rather than as a, a bunch of quests. And that's just how GW have always done things. And that's why Blood Bowl is so blooming good. It's because humanity enjoys and thrives being feudal. Our league does something different than somebody else's league. No two tournaments in existence are the same because someone has decided that Tier 1 deserves 37 SPP and Tier 2.5 deserves 43 SPP to spend. And everybody's event is different and everybody's league is different. And I think there's a huge element to that in the Games Workshop just gets slash doesn't care that stuff is unfinished because they expect people to just fill in the blanks themselves because they should be playing for the lols but we lean towards competitive gaming whether it is a league like uh, i you know aos ian you've played loads of games of aos how many of them have been competitive to the point of the score mattered at the end of the game beyond winning and losing like the, quite a lot i think <laughs> well that weren't in a tournament oh sorry beyond winning and losing um yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I've done like quite a few events to be fair, but um, that's it. But yeah, but, mostly just kind of friendlies. Yeah, well, yeah. You play AOS at the Tuesday night club, and once the game, you play to have a good time with the game, and yeah. you know, play a challenge, and then you're done. Blood Bowl, man, you don't play friendlies in Blood Bowl. Every game you play counts. You're either teaching somebody, or you're grinding them for SPP in the league, or you're with it, you're shooting for tournament points. Like, although I, I. I actually sometimes view it the other way in that uh, that Blood Bowl is easier to go in with the attitude of it doesn't matter what the result is because I'm building my team up. Um, yeah. Particularly for some teams. I do, that do, there is a, teams. Especially in 2020, there is a very valid question of does it matter to win? Does winning matter? And yeah, particularly where your, your money isn't such a big issue now. No, like does winning matter in Blood Bowl? Not particularly. And you know, if you're going for a second season brew, then absolutely no. You can lose a game 3-0 because you've been farming throw teammates and passes. And that's fine. And we're going to see a ton of that on BB3 when it goes live and you can churn through the games. But generally speaking, you're playing two games a month. And if you want to get to 12 games, it's going to take you six months. And that's why people, I think, are going to take more randoms in tabletop than they are on online. Or, or not randoms, but like you know no one's going to save up for block on their troll at club because they are not going to want to wait until june next year to get it they're going to take mm. brawler in december and have a great time um <laughs> which is it's a genuine concern but on bb3 they are going to save up and every every troll is going to have block um and that's it's just i don't know it's just a really interesting one but I'm, I am with you guys. Obviously, I want more Blood Bowl content and I get this anxiety every Sunday because of Lizardman, right? I was driving home. I was driving through Totten. <laughs> I was parked up at the train gate. Milton, you'll be familiar with the train in Totten and by Asda in the timber yard. And I was sat at the train yep. and then my phone just like went nuts because Games Workshop all of a sudden were like, oh, take what? We forgot to do this. And then just went, boom, coming next Saturday is Lizardman. And I just remember that absolute rush of, oh my goodness, like we're getting lizards out of nowhere. What are they going to be like? What are the rules going to be like? What are they going to have changed? Like that is an awesome feeling. And it's just the most exciting. Every Sunday I'm like, don't drive anywhere between 5.30 and 6.30, Ben. Just be at home. Like, yes. just be, <laughs> be at home in case something exciting happens. <laughs> Which is not, because the next yeah. event is what, Adepticon? 
Oh, yeah, I haven't really kept up with the with that to be honest is that is that when the next because then occasionally you get like a they'll schedule a um like a saturday um kind of announcement yeah just kind of a on the warhammer community sort of thing so yeah yeah, I've, I've yeah but again i think that's just because they're all out of sorts isn't it i mean everyone is because of the pandemic and i don't i don't necessarily think we can predict it no and with the with the blood bowl in ones in the past they often do the like um, the board games conventions, don't they? Oh, Gen, uh, Gen Con, maybe, yeah, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, and uh, that one, big one in Germany, I think, isn't it? Essen. Essen, yeah. Essen Spiel. Mm. Yeah, I don't think either of those are coming up. Um, it's I don't know. I mean, the good thing is we know that there's stuff coming, and legitimately, two of the things that we've seen make us think that there might be something non-standard coming, as in non teams of legend um you know i still think there's a real good punt this next team is actually a corn team like mm. uh because with the spike yeah mm. the only other thing it could be is really chaos dwarves um and or renegades well renegades are out you know they were yeah, out they're in the rule it could book. just be a renegade spike i was looking at this earlier actually um Actually, no, didn't we have a Renegade Spike? We did. It was number nine? Was it the combined one? Yeah, when OWA yeah, landed. Yeah, it was the one with Underworld, wasn't yes. it? But yeah, actually, that. they had when Max did, and When did Underworld Silla. land? When did Underworld land? Because that was hilarious. Because obviously, Underworld uh, changed, didn't it? Spike yes. Underworld. To match the sprues. Um, yeah, Underworld landed. And then it all went like everyone was very angry. Um, and then <laughs> it turned out to actually be pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it turns. And then they transitioned again into this edition. It was Spike issue nine, actually. So it must have been OWA, then Snots, then Necro. Um, mm. Oh, that was hilarious. Saying this the other evening, like I started building my Underworld team back before that release, and then th that release came out and they changed. And I was like, okay, I found some Snotlings. I'll add those to the thing. I'll get a Rat Ogre. And then Chocolate 2020 team. dropped, and then they changed again. And I hadn't played them. So when I started them, <laughs> they were two editions ago. Yeah, that's, that is that is hilarious. Um, I remember that was our biggest problem. It was like, oh no, they've introduced a new player to the team. How are we going to manage this to the league? And then the world reset. And that was in June. Or, no, that was in July of 2020. So, you know, it's, that's only like that was the big thing and then in august that entire new edition rules landed and no one basically played with owa or um underworld oh, i don't know it's just exciting if the new i just i'm with you but the good thing is we've got clear indicators that there's more content coming but it it has been a slow year but like milton said actually it's not like we've had a massive year to play stuff like, realistically, this year began in June. And let's be honest, none of us actually cleared our painting backlogs. So, uh, <laughs> no. We had such good intentions. Added to it. <laughs> yeah, turns out buying stuff is more fun than painting it. Hey, buying buying <laughs> things and now printing things and is, is, its, own, it, is yeah. its own hobby. Yeah. Acquiring things is a, is a legitimate We're hobby. Collectors. <laughs> yeah, we are. I'm not even kidding though. These Battlefleet Gothic ships, guys, they are just another, another level. Ah, oh, Battlefleet. Can't wait for them to bring that back and 
terrify everybody by bringing it back at a slightly larger scale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be that's gonna be absolutely corking. Right, groovy. You know what? This conversation is basically gonna carry on, but we are gonna take a quick jolt in a second talk about hobby. But before we do, I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody who supports the show in any way, um, which includes all of you who support us on Patreon. So I uh, just want to say a big thank you to our new patrons this week. Uh, Thorsten, Jean-Philippe. Um, oh my goodness, I'm to so sorry. This is probably going to get you to quick the Patreon. Theriolt. Um, sorry about that one. Uh, Jack Hendy. Bill from work. Nice. Um, PJ Mizzle. Oh, Jack Hendy. I know that guy. Oh. He's, he's just started coming to um, Wobble. Oh, wicked. I, well, yeah. maybe maybe he'll be there next tuesday I wonder if he plays Warcraft. yeah nice guy yeah he's uh he's rocking his orcs ah. doing well orcs 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 or black orcs, orcs, orcs. yeah proper proper orcs uh, i do oh, love proper man. orcs in this edition man they are they are mighty uh pj mizzle anthony castellanetta uh brian relcor sean trolls uh ho larson and rocky cat thank you all very much for joining the party bonehead championship is underway really we've got the first round preview live now so get your match predictions in because the first game goes live for patrons on saturday morning and everybody else sunday morning and it is going to be every monday match preview every weekend new game for blood bowl so i'm proper excited we've got plenty of episodes in the can and our first match is actually the one i played against ian snotlings versus black and it Good is game. a brilliant game. i've enjoyed looking at the predictions Oh, there's hundreds of predictions. It yeah, is, yeah, really. It is definitely taking up my actual work time, um, sorting those predictions out. And and there's a few people that have got it bang on. Like, there's a couple of comments, and the comment is Ooh. exactly right. And I'm like, which? Oh, there was what? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, wait, 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 yes, there was is... there was one comment in particular I saw that really struck me. It was one chap uh, mentioned that he's like, I need to know who the coach is in order to yeah. make the it's predictions. An excellent point. It's an excellent that point. Works. And because of that, um, with the match preview moving forward, there will be a coach bio. Because it's, it's a really good point. And I was like, yeah, I, everybody knows Ian. Like, um, which actually, <laughs> and on the Patreon, someone did say that. They were like, hey, uh, we'd love to know more about the coach you're playing against because that really affects things. I was like, that's a great yeah. shout. And then one of the replies yeah. was like, uh, yeah, but it's Ian. Like, you've seen Ian play. Um like just go watch seven super series it was quite cool to see and um yeah good very good match great season opener and the fact we've got hundreds of predictions is just so exciting um i love it anyway let's have a chat about hobby And we're back and it is hobby time so this is where we talk about things that we have painted things we've built but more likely to be things we've bought and whoever knows maybe things we've played so let's start with miltonio banderas is there anything you're working on at the moment milton that you think is pretty cool um i've built my bombardier for bonvember ah wicked um i'm quite happy with him he's a bit of a kit bash i had a, a squig hopper from aos and I noticed that the uh, the goblin bubble kit comes with a little bomb ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I've uh, I've got him sort of carrying it like he's hopping by and just dropping the bomb. Brilliant. That's brilliant. So I thought he would be quite a cool agent for uh, what was it? Parliament. <laughs> <Is> that... <laughs> Parliament. Yeah. 
Parlin men. Parlin men. So, um, are you giving away the kind of team you're playing at Bomb Vember Milton? No, I just that's what I had in my bits box. That's, that's wicked. <laughs> um, um, what else? Uh, yeah, bought things. I had enormous success with uh with Griff at Sandbowl, and so I bought two more Griffs. <laughs> <laughs> So you, every team, what? you get a griff, you get a griff. Well, I saw a bit of a, a steal on the old eBay, and I was like, hmm, I fancy some more griffs because I'd like to paint. He's a fantastic model, and I'd just like to do a better paint job. And um, I could get two for the price of one. So now I'm going to have three. So uh, <laughs> Is that? Yeah. So you bought the same griff model? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't sure if you were doing what Steve Cross does and just collect every edition of, uh, of, oh, of Zug. Dogs. He's got an entire Zug team. I love that collection. <laughs> it's so fun. <laughs> it's awesome, isn't it? That could be you, Milton. Think big. Uh, but I, I also bought a box of humans. For um, well, what I really wanted was the arm off a thrower. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I just bought the whole box. Of course, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's not that expensive. Like I know that sounds really actually, bad. They're really useful to have, actually. Yeah, a box of well, humans. This was the thing. So usable. So yeah, I was like, well, I'll either keep it as spares, but then I've I've tossed around a few ideas with it, either going sort of the OWA route or the uh, the Renegades route. Yeah, because pa- packed in um, packed in your underworld team, have got a bit of crossover, haven't they? Well, I've got an orc lineman in my box i've got a dark elf lineman in my box left over from thing um i'm sure i could probably spare a goblin i've got a rock gut trogoth left over and i've got an ogre um yeah i'm not far off so maybe that's where i'll go with it nah that's 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 absolutely wicked i do love griff and i love the ability to chuck him on a lot of different teams and having those human spare parts is just infinitely useful um, did you uh did you use the uh the eagle on your first model? i i did yeah you did oh, and in my and, and in my first game at sandbowl literally the first turn and the first off. time of me moving him i snapped it off oh no <laughs> <laughs> well, i was so, gonna um, say uh, depending on your plans for the next ones you could have three like um counters there yeah, I'm not going to put them on again. I, have a, I, I, have a, I did not use the eagle on mine, so I have an eagle to donate if you want, Milton. Collect some eagles, that'd be cool. The warp, um, warp yeah, no, I, your next team. Do you know, I don't, I don't dislike the eagle. It's just such a spindly connection. It's just not, yeah. it's not okay, is it? Um, I think if the helmet was better designed, we'd all hate the eagle. But because the helmet is just so bad, <laughs> everyone's oh. like, "Yeah, the eagle's not that bad. Like, don't even worry about it. Yeah, build oh, a pump I think, yeah, I, I followed the instructions, <laughs> and the instructions on that one were not right. Yeah, the instructions are what makes the helmet bad. It's <laughs> yeah. not filmed, itself uh, that bad. I filmed the video of it, so I was building it while filming it, and I was, it just was it went horribly wrong. It went horribly wrong because you know, you well, know, well, that's also. Yeah. Partially the other reason I wanted to buy another one. It's, yeah. so his neck is a face. bit gluey. <laughs> it, it's like hazing. It's like Games Workshop just hazing Blood Bowl players. Like, oh, you want to play Blood um, Bowl? Uh, yeah. You've got to work for it. <laughs> yeah. the other bit of a hobby right. I did. I did do a little bit of painting. I painted um, 
one of my goblins for my underworld team. I, I was trying to do a bit of green skin skin, and I followed Mr. Hannon's recipe for it, and it oh. came out rather nice. I want to nice. talk to Ian about green skin skin in a minute. Um, oh, good. I'm painting them at the moment. I was going to say, I feel like that's going to be a pretty good transition. So, Ian, what are you uh, hobbying at the moment? So, right actually this minute, I'm painting some Warhammer 40k Beast Snagger boys. Orcs, orcs, orcs. Really good. Yeah, I love orcs. Uh, yeah, I've been having a bit of a 40k resurgence, uh, but kind of doing it in a bit more of a narrative way. So, with the, the Hampshire Hammerers, we've been doing like a crusade campaign. And slowly building up which has been really fun so i've been doing uh everyone's favorite the ultramarines so i've been painting quite a bit of them recently and now i'm kind of just uh enjoying the orcs uh, ultramarines the hack phlegm of the warhammer 40,000 universe <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think it's one of those where it's been kind of what milton was saying about the pace of releases and stuff because aos uh it had a new edition so i'm kind of just playing games with that and getting used to the rules with the armies i've got uh and blood bowl is obviously you know releases a quite slow out of games workshop at the moment it's been nice to <laughs> so we've heard <laughs> just kind of get excited about another game system and just play it and enjoy it and kind of get wrapped up in the hype of that which Dude, has been good i think that's a really great thing about having slow releases is it does mean that you've got time to play games and time to look at other systems I, yeah. I definitely like for the purposes of a Blood Bowl podcast, having more Blood Bowl stuff released would be uh, would be better. Um, you know, can't can't deny that. It's, it's your catchphrase, isn't it? Let's be honest. More, more Blood Bowl releases is more better. Uh, yeah. Well, I I remember the days where you used to have to go in and get the annual catalogue to work out what was coming out. Oh wow, I do miss seeing it in White Dwarf before anywhere else. Like that was pretty lush. Like. It used to get White Dwarf and be like next month high elves and you'd be like oh my goodness, uh, yeah. what was the what was the website back then? Would it, would it have been would it have been Warseer or had this been been before we Warseer? Yeah, War, yeah, Warseer's uh, still going actually. Still Is wishes still me a happy birthday. Yeah. Oh, that's very nice. We <laughs> get the email for every year. Yeah. It's almost as if yeah. that's automated but that's, that's, that's still good uh, no, they, it's the guys it's the admin they love me <laughs> it must be uh must be... oh no it's probably some like edgy team name back then you know like uh, darkness edge or something this has been uh yeah no. oh god oh seriously carry on talking oh what have you done he spilt he dropped uh, no he just bounced and he bounced right it was literally like that game where the ball bounces between a whole bunch of prone players um, however, I have recovered and now have constructed my first swampy boy. Did the, did the ogre catch him? <laughs> uh, ogres <laughs> never catch it. The Minotaur did once. That was pretty sweet. Uh, all right. I quite like these swampy boys. They're all right. Yeah, they're cool. They're taller than I thought they'd be. Yeah, they are like quite lanky, aren't they? They're weird looking. They're weird looking. Right. So you've been uh, painting up some blue boys. You're painting up some green boys. Yeah. Um, I wish you'd done them both the same and done a proper chapter instead of Ultramarines, but that's okay. Everyone's got to start out in the hobby somewhere. Uh, I had a few pots of McCrag Blue. So. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't ever no, actually, um, They give I've them been, out for free, don't they? Some Blood Bowl, actually. <laughs> yeah, they do, yeah. Yeah, the, the Wobble League is, um, is going well, actually. I'm very excited to swing back town to League so, Town soon nah, enough. That's good. And, and actually we'll bring it up a bit more in the the third, the teams of legend but a norse team is is doing really well 
Ooh, that that does not league. surprise me because Norse, despite despite me somehow putting them in at tier two in our rules pack, they they belong in tier one. They are you good. sure about that, Ben? Uh, well, I'm quite happy with them being tier two. Well, how was your how was your how was your third place uh, at Sambo? <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah, again. better than yours. Yeah. So currently, currently three one one with the Skaven, and I've got one more game to play. Oh, nice. So hoping well i think i'll finish in the top four for the playoffs but what um would be nice to kind of cement it a bit what state is the team in have you got a rat ogre yeah i've met, i got a rat ogre last game how many so how many gutters game. four yeah i've got oh, all four you of got them. the full lineup so your tv must be 1300 1400 then yes yeah, yeah it's around that yeah wow that's that's awesome i've actually been very lucky so far i won't say it too much because Ooh. we know what happened next game yeah, the injuries hasn't really. Couple of linemen, maybe. Well, I've got a particular lineman I love, number thirteen, <laughs> which is quite. <laughs> and he's been replaced about three times. Yeah, <laughs> and it's always him. Yeah, who waits till he gets. So, have you been going for mostly random skill ups? Not really. I think I've no? taken one random on someone. But Ra- random okay. normal. Or? Uh, yeah. What was it? I think a random normal. Yeah. Random normal on a Skaven lineman is a hundred percent the way to go. Yeah, but I managed to get block on I think three of my four gutters, which is good. That's a lot. Um, of, that's a lot of block, they, isn't it? They just level up really quickly, don't they? They do. Didn't want to go wrestle for one of them. They just score lots. Oh, I might do it in a bit. Yeah, definitely. Can't beat a good wrestle. Why is this random shiny sparky point also for this orc? What is that supposed to be? <laughs> oh, Games Workshop and their multi-part but very specific build order pieces. Yay. Um, yeah. Just count by numbers now, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> you've got numbers, but there's no order of the numbers. It's just... Really? I, I'm, like, every kit I've had has pretty much been one, two, three, four go together. No, 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 no. Not with these? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, uh, and there was another kit recently that I built that was certainly not the way that was. I think it was the nobility. Was it nobility? Oh, it was wood elves actually, because I had to drive to Entoyment to pick up another box of wood elves because I lost one, um, <laughs> and I had to get painting done. So hobby-wise, for me, I've finished up all the teams for YouTube, which uh, was good and got me got me motivated, got me to finish them off. I realized I used two different flocks on some of the teams because I built them as a sevens team first and then realized I needed 11 players and then <laughs> took it as a great opportunity to bounce across to, um, I don't think that's the right part at all, uh, bounce across to Entoyment to pick up uh, to pick up some new loot, which was awesome. It was a good excuse to go over and grab some, grab some gear. That was quite cool. Yeah, um, it's always exciting. Yeah. Just being in a shop is quite a uh, yeah a fresh, nice feeling at the moment, isn't it? it? Well, yeah. It's just cool to be out and about and having other people be out and about. That part does not go with that model. All right, let's ignore you for one for a bit. Uh, so did that. That was cool. I yeah, Like we said earlier, I rage bought another 3D printer um, because I've been waiting on a replacement part for four weeks for my Elegu Mars. And it's the power pack, and I'm 100% sure that it is not going to fix the unit. And I've been waiting patiently and then got the STL files for the impact Kickstarter. I needed to print it off, so I got really angry and bought an Elegoo Mars Pro 2 or Mars 2 Pro. 
and it turned up and I plugged it in and I printed some stuff off and it is wonderful. It is an absolute beast. Like it fits. So what's the advantage over the one? Um, Apart from, you know, it's shiny. It's so much faster in. And the plate oh. is so much bigger. So the oh, okay, I did wonder about the plate, yeah. Yeah. Elegoo one, I can fit five Chaos cruisers vertically on it, and it would take sixteen hours to print. Which is fine, right? That's fine. Like put it in one night. By the time I get home from work the next day, I have five ships. Like this is wicked. Four hours fifty two for eight on the Mars two Pro. Wow. Five hours for eight cruisers. It has just oh man. It's just wonderful. Um, and so, yeah, I've got the printer so, back. To put that in Blood Bowl terms, um, what would you be looking at on that, do you think, to print like a, a team of six teams, say? Um, you probably, you're guy. probably looking at... So with the Punga miniatures, we had the Punga Dwarf team, and it was two trays for the players, one tray for the Death Roller, and like a couple of spare players, so about three three prints in the old, the old printer. And they're about eight hours, eight hours, and ten hours. So, but, you know, yeah, which day is, and a half a print. Well, yeah, basically, right? That's still great. You can print a whole team in a weekend, including a big guy that you'll never use. Um, realistically, now bigger, bigger tray. It's going to take ten hours to print a team. Yeah. Okay, that's significant then. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, and there's there's a load of good blood bowl. Um, teams out there 3d printing in fact at some point i'm going to do uh, a little a little fun video where i print a team and paint it and uh call it print to pitch and uh find one out and i think i'll be doing it with the new punga team um, oh that'd be fun that's coming out which is the the nurgly carnival team because i think actually i can get some some fun painting skills in on that one yes i think i've seen that it hasn't landed yet it's coming out on the 6th of september but did you ever play uh more time milton no, but I know what you're on about. Yeah, they've got the this. Carnival of Chaos, yeah. yeah, and it's the team is very much like that, and um... <laughs> it's like that, but in pretty much exact Games Workshop model poses. Uh, they've done a very good job getting the aesthetic <laughs> correct. <laughs> <laughs> well put. Yeah. Trying to find it, I can see the Chaos Dwarves. They look wicked. Yeah, I, I, they, they don't have a crossover basically between their Patreon and their actual, um, like web presence it's a bit confusing uh but they've got some cool minis coming so yeah in the way of printing team it's absolutely pretty sweet but otherwise i've just been delving into printing some of the stuff i haven't printed recently that i didn't need to print uh but it's kind of like you know when you get a big project finished and you're like oh i can go i can do other stuff so when i finished off all six of the youtube teams i was like oh i can i can do i can do some other bits i just want to randomly do now for a, for a little while um it's like when you're left with a blob of green stuff <laughs> the possibilities i even printed a, a random eldar wraith ship as well nice little cruiser and by little i mean it's three inches it's just awesome it's just a bunch of cool <laughs> stuff um i got these orcs on the go because actually you know having a look at some age of sigma stuff might be interesting i mean the new orcs are quite cool i want to try orky skin and i got yeah and they've just got some war cry rules as well which is cool they have they have and then uh, i've got some other war cry bits as well just because it seems like a fun thing to also dabble in while we're waiting for some blood bowl releases so yeah the game last night actually really good fun war cry yeah Ooh, how was it yeah yeah it was good it's like really nice and quick um it's kind of it, it doesn't feel like any pressure to it because it's just so like um 
dice heavy. Walk in, roll some dice, <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> yeah, I think um, people are a bit disappointed that the new kill team isn't like Warcry for 40k, but because it is a lot more in depth and they've got those stupid symbols instead. Um, yeah, but I think I think it works well for Warcry though, doesn't it? Like, because it's just it is a a dice rolling beer and pretzels kind of game. Yes, yeah, yeah. But there is like a, a an amount of tactical depth to it, which is quite nice too. Can you can you build a bit of a narrative in Warcry or not? Yeah, so it's got quite a cool campaign system, which is you just do your own campaign basically. Uh but you can obviously play with other people. Um and it doesn't really matter where you are in your campaigns. You can just play each other. Okay. Um so and in the rule book, like each of the kind of initial war bands has several like options of a kind of progression they can take or like an aim sort of thing, which is cool. Uh, and then every now and then you have like convergence uh, missions, I think they're called where it's like a, a narrative mission, which you've got to win to get to the next stage sort of thing. I really like the sound of that. Cause I think that was like one of the things I was enjoying most about the, uh, the kill team campaign we started was just like the uh sort of the narrativeness behind it back before the shapes happened you mean milton yeah <laughs> back then and the triangles invaded brother zook <laughs> nah, it's cool and this is the other good thing about the slower release schedule is that you do get a chance to play a couple of the games without feeling like you're missing out on blood bowl time so because of my work schedule and everything i've missed out most of this return season so I'm not too worried about this season right now, but I'll be back in like every week for the new season for Blood Bowl when it, when it happens. Um, which means for now, I'm, I don't have to worry about getting those games in real quick. I can just uh, actually next week we're going to play some Warcry, uh, you know, and that'll be really good fun to, to just roll some dice and play a different system and try it out without having to uh, worry about giving up a, a specific game time. But that kind of... Yeah fits in i feel like this is the right piece but i don't feel like the push fit system is working with you here uh, oh no push fit. snap the peg clip the pegs off yeah if you're going to glue it it's been it's been good so far i've been taking like the edges off and using it as a pointy bit to to guide the model but that is not going to work with this dude right groovy um anything else you guys have got in the hobby list right now no, I think that's it for me. Cool, cool, cool. Right, well then, let's move on to our first topic, talking about some stuff that you guys have both put a ton of hobby into, which is the Teams of Legend. Okay, and we're back, and we are going to talk about the Teams of Legend. So the Teams of Legend is a PDF released by Games Workshop to cover the teams that they used to make so that if you have got one of those teams that they stopped making 20 years ago or that they recently redid on demand, you can run them in the new edition. OK, so they landed um, for about 45 minutes. Amazon blitzers were actually war dancers. That was a fun video. <laughs> that was a really fun that video of, oh, my goodness, what have they done? What have they done? Oh, it's copy paste. Oh, it's fine. Um, so for that 45 minutes, Amazons were totally broken. Then they just went back to, you know, standard tier one nonsense. But there is, I think, an excitement about the teams of legend because they are kind of unexplored territory in a lot of ways in recently. OK, so the new players coming into the edition will have all the teams they can go buy. Then there's Chaos Renegades. 
And then there's these other teams, these teams of legend that have to be built, have to be sought, have to be converted. And it does create that like that next level of right. What's next for my team? I've played this team. I've played my meme team. Now I can go be kind of not hipster, but, you know, I can go and do something extra, something next level, something veteran in the way of finding and building my own teams of legend PDF. But we have seen time and time again from Games Workshop that they've changed teams as they've rebuilt them. They've added positionals. They've changed things. And, and they've made the they've given the team what we're going to call the 2020 um, treatment. So there is definitely that level of, hmm, what is the team going to look like when Games Workshop reintroduces it? Lizardman, they added the chameleon. You know, the halflings, they added their little dudes. Um, we joked about Underworld earlier, but when they brought Underworld back in, like in 2016, they changed up the roster. So they are not terrified to change the up the roster. to a uh, ghost? In the Necromantic team. Exactly. Yeah. That's probably one of the bigger Maybe ones. Yeah, that, that punter's wicked. Like, that's just awesome. So the the I think the key question here, and because you're both here, this is who and you have both kitbashed teams and considered different teams to kitbash. Should you invest in a team of legend? right now what's the what's the pro of going and yeah, milton let's start with you what's the pro of looking at running a team of legend so i think really you've got to ask yourself why you're wanting to do it like what is the end goal of like having that team are you bringing it to a league are you running it in a tournament or are you just doing it for like hobby fun um, like personally, I, I built my Norse team for a tournament and, you know, they were made for that specific purpose and I have absolutely no regret doing them. I think they're, they're wicked. They're a great team to play as is the current rule set. And I had so much fun making the team. Um, I, I just, you, you know, like as far as I'm concerned, as long as you've got like a clear goal as to what you want to get out of them, go for it a hundred percent. And um, I mean, really, Ian, we're, we're talking about the same thing here. I mean, you built your Amazons and mm. you put, I mean, you both, to be fair, put a lot of resources and energy and time. I mean, Milton, you sculpted most of a troll and Ian, your kit bashes were just unnecessary when it comes to the uh, the amazon team like it's a, it's a huge investment and what was it about how that team that made you want to do that like was it the play style was it the theme you know uh yeah no it wasn't actually the play style because i kind of found them i found them a little bit dull in the end after all that um yeah <laughs> no um i think for me it was a kind of there's a there's a sense of completeness to having like all the teams represented like in your league or uh, as many of them as you can sort of thing. Um, got to I coach them not... all. Yeah, got to coach them all. Um, but also like I didn't, there's a load of Amazon teams out there um, and I don't want to get too much into this, but a lot of them don't do it for me in terms of how they're presented. Um, so I kind of just wanted to find a way because I like creating stuff and I like, um, the kit bashing and, and all that stuff is like how would i actually want this team to look um so it kind of just taps into another element of the hobby really um 
I so think um, it's really interesting. So you've gone from a kind of like a, a modeling point of view. Milton went from a, a, I guess, a kind of like, I want a new challenge specifically for this tournament. I want a project for this tournament. That's the great thing about yeah. Blood Bowl tournaments is, generally speaking, there's you bring a you build a new a new team for a for a tournament because it's a a reason to do it. Like yeah. I think Milton, you probably found that with the with the Norse is you're like cool tournament let's build a team especially for the tournament because i know i'm gonna get play time out of that team like i've got a timeline i've got a reason i've got a purpose and i can do something and get a ton of games in with a with a certain team and in that regard it's awesome and the teams of legend give you that next level like it's it's no 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 besmirching on those people who are like, oh, I'm going to run Skaven at this tournament and build buy a Skaven box and build the team up. That is a that is a lot of effort and still a lot of commitment. And I do this every time I go to a tournament. I'm like, uh, I need to finish off one of these seven teams uh, because this is the right thing to do because you go to a tournament and you do it. But when it comes to the teams of Legend, if you are... Now, Milton built it for that one event. And if the team then gets changed up, you kind of you've done it that's that's it it was his purpose you know if you were looking to third party purchase a team would you guys feel any different about that i mean you don't get me wrong kit bashing a team is probably cost the same as going and buying a third party team maybe not quite so much but in the if you factor in time it definitely does yeah oh i uh, know i think mine definitely costs more than a third party team <laughs> <laughs> um I, I think to be honest like um there's a certain freedom to the teams of legend because because where there isn't the kind of modern official shall we say models for them you can put your own take on them or you can go like we were saying earlier in when we were looking at the uh that kickstarter team actually a lot of teams go for a a kind of a quirk or um something a bit of a gimmick and you can kind of pursue that um but there is a lot of overlap um, as well so you know if you do find that your team gets changed up when if it does get an official release i think like let's say it was the amazons or milton's norse you probably wouldn't take too much effort to convert that to say a chaos team or a human team um or a renegade team or, or however you want to do it i think unless your team is like extremely kooky um because i mean a lot of the teams that haven't been released are kind of humany teams anyway aren't they really so i am gonna jump on that point massively in um i have a slan team from fanaf and when i bought the slan team i made sure that i had four catchers two throwers four blitzers so that i could use them for pro elves amazon and slan because you've got that variability. Those different positionals are evidently different enough. You could even run them as humans, you know, with yep. a Croxagor as an ogre. So, yeah, both your teams. I mean, Milton, you went with Norse, but you very nearly went with Corn, didn't you? Well, I was just about to talk about that. Yeah, so, like, actually, um, I managed to pick up the Blood Reavers from AOS, um, a sprue of those on eBay up for, for cheap. And I have them sat there when I was like making the decision, like initially I'd bought them to make a corn team with, and I could just see the potential for, for sort of going the North route too. Um, and so I was, I was really sat on the fence about that one. I wasn't quite sure which way I was gonna, was gonna go with it. And I think what Ian said is right. You know, like, I mean, if for some reason they release new rules for the North team, 
um, they get rid of like some of the positionals or whatever. Well, or they add new ones. Well, okay, I could probably carry on with what I've got or like work around it. Or alternatively, all of my linemen and stuff work perfectly fine for a corn team. It's it's really interesting, but I think that does massively highlight two elements. One is that, well, not necessarily cookie cutter, the teams of legend, ah, this is going to sound a little bit harsh because some of them do have a massive identity, but there are there's like two different group, isn't, isn't there? But the High Elves and the Amazons and the Norse, and, and when it comes to it, Corn and Slan have kind of a cookie cutter set of positionals that are very similar to things like humans and pro elves and things like that they're very very similar now vampires and uh, tomb kings and chaos dwarves are actually pretty unique in the way of positionals and their distribution but those teams are interchangeable now slan and corn obviously not teams of legend their next level which is well we thought were potentially more safe but i've still got Scylla on the screen here so i'm still fully expecting a corn team to land and then um old school demons of corn potentially <laughs> potentially to be got, got get the nobility bretonian treatment well team. quite possibly although i think that the north the the corn roster would be better for savage orcs um potentially and the new yeah. the new corn yeah. chaos team will be more like Nurgle. Always up for more orcs, to be honest. Well, so. Yeah, I mean, let's get a destruction derby on the go. Um, but yes, like there's there's definitely a cookie cutter element where you can kind of swap your teams, which is a superb way to protect against the biggest con, which you guys have already called out. Which and Milton put it in the show notes right here. Will positionals change? And I mean. Let's talk about the teams real quick. Which of those teams will will take corn and slan out because they don't they don't sit currently in the games workshop sphere. They sit on their NAF sphere, which is confusing to new players, but that's that's probably fine. I mean, do you think we're gonna see positional changes with those teams, with the six remaining teams when and if they land? I think that's a given. Um I think vampires Definitely. There's no way they're not going to get a, um, a change up. I would be very surprised if we didn't see a new positional for them, if not more than one. Um, Chaos Dwarves? I'm intrigued uh, by what's going to happen with Chaos Dwarves. I'm not necessarily sure that they would change anything too much with Chaos Dwarves. Maybe, I think they what they might do is they might change the amount of positionals potentially um, in order to fit the mice through <laughs> uh, yeah um, that's a funny one i was thinking about this with um the teams that have been released because um you've got traditionally a lot of um i'd say almost like two positional and a big guy teams mm. uh so things like ogres for example obviously the ogre and the positional blend in there but they had two player types originally, didn't they? They chucked in the punter. Um, yeah. Lizardmen, you had the, the Saurus and the Skinks, plus the big guy, chucked in another positional. But Blackhawks bent the rules there, didn't they? Oh, well, because... they, they introduced a new team with only the two, te- two, and a, yes. two and a bigger. Yeah. Yeah, which is an odd one. I wasn't, it was a bit of a curveball, that. I think, um, I think with the Blackhawks and the Nobility, they they brought stuff in and i think because they were new rosters and they hadn't finished the old rosters i think they were really careful with what they did um 
so I think nobility landed, but they were worse than Bretonians, so that it was okay. And I think Black Orcs, I think Black Orcs are perfectly balanced. I think they've got the roster right. Although it would be fun to have one extra positional or one extra something with a different yeah, skill. I'm, I'm almost surprised they didn't get like a goblin sneaky guild kind yeah. of thing, which like a chameleon yeah, skink for the Black Orc team. Yeah, but you know. That'll be Blood Bowl 2024. Yeah, I I actually, I do agree with Milton. I think the vampires, if they do get around to doing them, fingers crossed, um, will have something else. Now, I flipping hope they change up Amazons, but I don't think they will. No, actually, I think the positionals Amazons have got are fine, but I think they need more differentiation in the rules. I think they should. I think they need to change the skill accesses. um, So you can't just have a team of blodge. (laughs) <laughs> but give a few more interesting options, like a bit of movement on the catcher and, you know, things like that. Yeah. I think they've definitely got scope to make them a more fun team. Make the blitzers like, uh, you know, general agility, potentially. Um, or I, I personally like the idea of dropping two blitzers and giving them a croxigal. Yeah, could work, couldn't it? Yeah, um, could work. But anyway, the likelihood is that those teams are going to change a little bit. If it's just costs, it might be some skill rebalance, things like that. Um, but that that's potentially the biggest fear. And if you're kit bashing, you're putting in a ton of your time and a ton of your effort, which you guys have pointed out essentially is its own reward, right? Like yeah. you work on yeah, it definitely. as a project and you've got this cool team. And then because you've kit bashed it, if, they if you need to change it up so say ian you know you've done your amazons milton you've done your norse if they land and the berserkers get gone milton or they drop the blitzers to two and they you know i don't know boost the catches you've got the choice then to adjust your team for it as well but the easiest the easiest way to pick up a team of legend is to go third party route which is almost always very expensive for these teams um i really like the chaos dwarf roster but it is a very expensive roster like to track down to try and find positionals whether you're you know making your own because you need to get all the dwarves you need to get hobgoblins you need to find bull centaurs you need to find bull centaurs that you like and it's all actually pretty challenging. Now, this is why I love the fact that Punga are doing a Kickstarter, but that is a Kickstarter. So that is going to be £65 at the cheapest. So you're looking to invest in a third-party team that's going to cost you 80 quid because you're going to go for all the stuff, right, and the postage. And it's going to be 70 to 80 quid for a third-party team that could you could pick up and then it could be hurt. So it could be the positionals could change up. And that that is a bit of a risk i mean how do you guys feel about that and why didn't you not go third party instead of homebrewing your conversions um i think for me i kind of share uh ian's interview viewpoint on this a little bit where i did take a look at some of the third party options but none of them really gelled to my vision of the team like kind of what i saw and what i wanted from my experience of playing on the tabletop with the miniatures that i've created um and so i kind of i think i kind of dismissed them fairly early on um there are some great ones out there and you know 
your point about like the Chaos Dwarf roster. We know we've got a Pungo one coming soon. They look fantastic. Um, there are plenty of options for all of these teams. And if you're not someone that enjoys that aspect of the hobby, like making things or going out of your way to like find a particular bit or, or whatever to, to go to, and you just want a team fresh out the box that you can just assemble quickly, spray, paint, play, um, then that's definitely the way to go for you. If that's the uh, if that's that's the way that you enjoy your hobby. So was was that it? Was it just that actually there wasn't a team that took your fancy, that, and that was why you were forced to, to go for the the conversion route. Um, yeah, I mean, well, partly as I said earlier, because I had the um, the blood reavers already, and. I could have, of course, like you said, made a, uh, a corn team with them and then decided, oh, actually, I really fancy playing Norse. And then I'd have, I'd have maybe, you know, considered looking at getting a, a third party team. But I think for me, the experience, like I, I enjoyed doing that. Like I enjoyed the idea of doing that. I had so much fun making the Yeti. Um, really good fun making the Orphwerners and, and trying to get all the bits and pieces for that. And it wasn't cheap and it did take a lot of my time and I was <laughs> up against the deadline. Um, Sometimes that's the only way to get something done though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, completely. Um, but, you know, for me that really paid off. But I would completely understand like if you're aim and this is what i said earlier like if your goal if your objective is well i want to go to a tournament and i want to play norse but i'm really not bothered about um assembling painting um that kind of side of of, of the hobby and you just kind of want a, a team to play with you just want the miniatures on the board and off you go then third party is 100 percent the way yeah and there's always there's always some some good options but it's it's funny because the what the, I guess barrier to entry, um, can't remember what what the phrase is when it comes to these these teams of legend is so much more, and then you've got that vulnerability of do I want to invest in this roster now? High elves, for example, are a cracking example, and like you guys have said, um, with both the teams you play or have built actually you know if they change it up i can use it as something different there's a there's a reserve reason for it and that's one of the massive strengths of blood bowl like because it is just i've got four different types of player as long as i make them clear what they are and they look about right we're good to go like the game is simple um you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna hide the fact i've you know been looking at printing some stuff for age of sigmar because i'm like well it'd be good to try the game out like let's see if there's any alternatives and trying to piece together like a proxy army for age of sigma because the units are so unique is just really quite challenging and i uh, it makes it cumbersome like games workshop have done a very good job there i think of protecting um their, that that entry level whereas with blood bowl it's actually pretty straightforward you've got a few different types of dudes and you're good to go if you can figure out um pretty decent ways to make them to make them different so we talked about that we talked about how long it takes to paint and make a team because it can go quite a lot we talked about what's the purpose of the team why are you running it tournament league or hobby 
sounds like hobby is a massive element to it but if you've got like an angle i want to go to this tournament because i think this is the best rule set you can build it you can buy it are you new to the game some of these teams are a little harder to play what do we think about that um, um i don't know if they are to be honest um i think probably there's the kind of the one really quirky one is the vampires because you know they've got that um proliferation of um was it animal savagery <laughs> yes it is <laughs> yeah um which makes them a challenge but i think like we said before the others to a degree certainly the more kind of generic player type ones like high elves and uh i guess norse have got a few little quirky bits but nothing mega amazon are just simple i don't think they are really that much difficult to play i think vamps and kembry definitely have their unique challenges um, oh kembry yeah I forgot about them kembry kembry is a really good example of another level of challenge for a new player or, or for you looking for something else to challenge you in blood bowl picking up kemri or uh to be fair nurgle or vampires they're all really unique kind of play style challenges like you have to work against your team and you have to try and find a way to maximize your your, your own weaknesses to kind of have it pay off <laughs> yeah it's, amusingly that's probably the the actual linear factor there isn't it so actually you just yeah. doing anything with the ball is very difficult and that means you've got to play a different way um <laughs> milton i love this bit here will they get squatted or replaced so we've talked about the teams getting changed what about them getting full-on replaced yeah i mean like you're saying about um maybe you know seeing like a savage orc version of of corn and i think we've discussed this before like you know if they wanted to like shake up the fact that amazons and norse are a bit one-dimensional in their uh, play style Think, I don't know whether it was Ian or yourself. Someone mentioned before, what if they sort of like combined those teams? Oh, um, but but yeah. Norse in with um with Amazons. Yeah, maybe sort of like blend those two teams together instead of like having two separate teams. You've got like a couple of positionals which are block heavy, a couple of positionals that are dodge heavy. Um, you know they've got their their sort of association in the in the lore and the history with um those two races and um maybe we could see something like that i mean we we've seen some you know some surprises um and changes to blood bowl that we weren't expecting so it's not entirely unlikely to be fair i i was surprised that we had the teams of legend pdf yeah, I feel like that may have taken like a bit of pressure to get. It, it wasn't. It, that for, it didn't feel forthcoming, did it? It certainly felt like, oh, we better do this. It felt a bit rushed at the last minute. Too. Massively felt rushed. Yeah, um, it did massively feel rushed, which is really interesting because I, I, I do wonder how bad it would have been for the game if the teams of Legend weren't back in at all, like. I love the fact that there's the next challenge for coaches that have completed the core game. You know, they've completed the teams. They've seen the meta. They've, they want to bring something else in. I mean, you guys know that we love fancy creative teams. Like we've done at a whole bunch of the fumble special league teams and introducing them into your league is a brilliant way to get more teams in or tournaments and things. So more teams is more better. And, um, 
you know, the more the merrier. Uh, to quote a classic <laughs> childhood <laughs> meme from, um, yeah. But I guess the question goes out right now. I mean, Ian, can you see them just never getting round to making a Norse team? Or yeah, I can. I can team? see it taking a while or not getting there, but I don't think they'll go. And I think one of the reasons for that is. Uh, we obviously don't know what Blood Bowl 3 is going to bring up, but Blood Bowl 2 had all these teams in it. Um, obviously, there was Corn as well, which was the kind of unofficial one in there with the Kislev as well. Uh, but yeah, I would be surprised because a lot of these teams are very like synonymous with Blood Bowl. Like, they are. They're kind of part of the spirit of it, aren't they? So I think if they're not there, uh, even in terms of rules, it would be a loss. Um, so I think they will keep them ticking along. And I think, let's be honest, we're going to be a really long way away from a new edition. So they're certainly going to be safe for a good number of years, I think, yeah. given how long it's taken us even just to get a new team this year. <laughs> and one great thing about like the NAF being there as a as a kind of a, a player association is it, it kept Slan and Corn in there. And most tournaments are running those NAF things and the NAF rosters. And actually, if a team gets dropped, then, you know, very much like we saw with the CRP star players, which we talked about earlier with the CRP was the, the PDF rules that had all the star players from the last edition. Well, the edition before 2016 and they kept the star players in there because the rules worked and it was fine and that was yeah. that kept the game from changing so even if games workshop do somehow drop a team um i am i would be more expecting a team to be changed substantially or to be just retconned i think which is what i, I think mill may have written that in the thing is is just actually they they do drop a, a a norse team and it's just significantly different to what it yeah. looks like now like norse yeah, are here that's more likely an overhaul yeah um, but not a, i don't think they'll get rid of anything yeah they drop amazons uh they bring amazons back but actually they're all strength two um <laughs> you know Ooh, that wouldn't go down well <laughs> no exactly but you know definitely and they just change the play style that's gonna be yeah, interesting it's entirely possible now, Milton, you put here, what edition of the game are you playing? If you intend on playing 2016 or before, then it's a great idea as they won't change from now on. That's yeah, that's a fair thing. There are still events going on that are quote-unquote classic Blood Bowl. Um, and doing yeah. Tournament Tuesday, I saw one uh, is coming up in about four weeks, which I thought was interesting. But you only see kind of one a month now, which I, I believe is, is healthy for the player base. Um, we've got a new edition. The new edition is not perfect. The old edition was definitely not perfect. The rules were slightly slightly easier, um, but the edition was not perfect, and it was for most. For, it was basically it was solved, right? So that's it. Yeah, I think it wasn't perfect, but it was complete. Yeah, it was complete, and uh, it was completely figured out. And I don't think there was. Uh, I think even in 2020, there's still a few ambiguities to be ironed out, isn't there? Oh, hugely so. Um, which I don't think was a thing in 16. Uh, at the end of it, anyway. No, no, I think 16 I difficulty don't think there was, was any questions remaining. It was mostly just about the things that changed ever so slightly from the CRP to 16 
that was the only challenge that came up. It was like, hang about, that skill does what, how now differently? Like, that's weird. We still got that in Blood Bowl 2020, but that happens in every game change and every edition of anything, really. Whether it's, you know, 40k, magic, doesn't even matter. There's always interactions that change. Um, and what was the next point? Because you did a great job. How do these teams fare in sevens? I mean, I that's a interesting one Kemri we played a Kemri like team in series two of seven super series and it didn't play well that's the weird thing isn't it we've played um yeah. we've played uh, the the fumble teams more than the legends in sevens I think uh yeah Amazons <laughs> yeah. Amazons and but high elves do brilliantly in sevens they've smashed it at tournaments because they yeah. are just better elves they've got decent armor but, well uh, yeah I kind of always just say they're better well, humans I think uh, my line of thinking here was AV8. Uh, sorry. Tougher. What am I saying? Agility 4 in the old edition. Yeah. So. Edge boosted humans. Yeah. I, I think I think my line of thinking here was was along the lines of, um, you know, we're talking about the investment of um, an 11s team, but if you want a taste, why not just make a 7s team? You don't need to like field all the positionals. You can pick and choose a few if you just want to make a few miniatures and see how it goes. Maybe find a sevens tournament or someone running sevens games and just build a smaller version. <laughs> that is it's not as heavy an investment. It's um, it's yeah, certainly everything's been changed. Well, it's not. If it's, um, um, sorry, you carry. No, no, go on. In. No, I was just going to say, um, if you are looking to go the kind of kit bash route, um, a lot of other Games Workshop systems have boxes of ten models. <laughs> um, so you know, like a lot of the Warcry warbands are ten or around there. So not enough for a full team on their own. Uh, the Necromunda gangs, things like that. Even like a uh, a regiment for AOS or forty k. A lot of the time, it's ten. So that's a really good um, basis for a seven team got seven players and a few spares if you can use them all yeah. um so yeah it's, it's really accessible that's a really good point i mean i love sevens but i hadn't even considered that uh but sevens is a great way to try out any team so you're, you're bang on the money there but i don't think i don't think i could agree with you more uh i don't really understand how this orc goes together but that's okay we'll ignore that for now we'll that for now. <laughs> can he hold the ball yeah but all of those teams do actually <laughs> pretty well in sevens um it's just the potentially the difficulty of getting that roster um you know if you in for a penny in for a pound third party kit bashing though definitely way to go amazons do well high elves do well norse do very well ulf warriors are amazing in sevens um unsurprisingly ulf warriors sneaky some of the best players in the game like that nice narrow pitch to frenzy yeah movement yeah. six strength four frenzy it's just oh it's just awesome I'd like more of that, please. More of that. Um, right. The pros of having a totally unique custom team. That's definitely from a hobby aspect, right? Yeah. So kind of just like if you're going to go down the kit bash route rather than the third party route, that team is unique to you. Okay. Other people you might like. I got inspired by um, a post I think I saw on Warhammer Community who was using the, uh, the Blood Reaver models as a base for the linemen. And so, yeah, there are like similar aspects, but I, I tweaked and I changed things. I used different Orthwarners, I used a different Yeti. And as far as I'm concerned, my team is unique to me. And I think that's cool. 
Oh, definitely. That's one of the strongest yeah. bits of our hobby, isn't it? Is like we were saying, you're not necessarily locked into one team then either, if they are unique. Yeah, completely. No one's going to look at it straight away and automatically always know what it is without you saying, oh yeah, this is this, this is this. Yeah, you've got flexibility there, haven't you? Flexibility yeah. in, in the purpose of the team. And the last one, with the last point that you had down there, Morgan, which I think is absolutely right, is would you replace it if a Games Workshop got what got produced? If a Games Workshop produced that team? I, I think I know what the answer is going to be for this one. Yeah, if it's better, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I don't think that even matters, Ian. I, I just think, I think most of these teams that produced by Games Workshop, they come out and they are so creative and so they're really good, man. They are really, really, really good. And I mean, I'm guilty of this. Dwarves, I have got the the Games Workshop team, the FANAF team, the Grebo team and the Punga team. And I will probably never run Dwarves. And it's just like actually the, the Games Workshop teams land and they are such a great value most of the time like they are they it's are. just like cool it's a spike and a team for 35 pounds basically if you go through like enjoyment or something and that's a really great expansion for the board game that is blood bowl like when you're talking about 40k and aos a new faction comes out that's an investment right getting an army for that that's 300 pounds um blood bowl if you want to expand your choice and have a hobby journey at the same time it's you know it's it's 30 pounds you know maybe 50 if you go double boxing it or something like that and it's just i feel like it's a really good cost value so ian even though you've got a wicked amazon team and milton even though you've got a superb norse team i know you don't need to replace the troll which would be good you know a new norse team comes out i, I can see you still at some point just picking it up just because actually it looks really cool and it's pretty great and it can complement your team and you know ian we all know that if an amazon team comes out you're going to get it and kit bash it and put guns on it just to show uh, off yeah that's what that was my point actually i've i've bought the orc team several times for other stuff <laughs> i know loads of people use the orc team so normally when a new kit of any system comes out i'm kind of like what else could that be <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, there's been a ton of cool nobility stuff um like there's a ton of cool nobility conversions for 40k dudes and also for um cities of sigma although they're they're yeah. bigger the, the the blood bowl stuff is generally speaking bigger than the other yes the other bits. Yeah, yeah um which is interesting as well because whether you're going third party or converting out of aos stuff your dudes are going to be a little bit smaller than the blood bowl ones but again yeah it's blood bowl it doesn't matter because those the purpose of those models is to represent something unique represent that point that 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 positional and you're good to go, which I think is brilliant. So basically, guys, if you are considering picking up a third part, not even a third part, if you're considering picking up a Teams of Legend thing, if you've got a tournament coming up, if you want to run them in your league, just go for it. Like whatever happens, if Games Workshop brings it out and your team changes, you're probably still going to get to play with it. You might have to adjust some positionals. And quite frankly, with most of the teams, if they bring out... If they bring out a new Norse team and they put a new positional in there, Milton can just buy that new Norse team, use the new positional, paint it up to go with the rest of his team, and it's not that difficult to kind of filter it in. So the likelihood of these teams being completely killed, very slim. The likelihood of them being changed, very likely. But as long as you're aware of that moving into it and you're willing to flex, you're good to go because that can happen basically to any team because Milton brought this up earlier in the news segment like oh, I can see them bringing a pack team out 
I actually said this as well when this came out. I was like, maybe there'll be a packed team for a packed spike. You know, maybe we'll see a pack change. And actually, I was like, well, it's in the rule book. But that does not stop Games Workshop. That does not stop <laughs> them at all. Like, there's no reason they nope. couldn't drop an OWA different build. I thought they might do packed and just bring it out and bring like basically like half a chaos box, half a human box and do it something like that. I could see them doing something like that to, to go that sprue angle that they seem to be going with most of the teams. Yeah, I could see him doing it. I don't think they will, but it's definitely a possibility. So the fear is real, but quite frankly, if you're playing in a good group and a good crew, you will be safe no matter what you have because you could either flex what you got, use blooming base colors to represent your dudes, and it doesn't even matter. That's the beautiful thing about Blood Bowl. Before we move on, guys, is there anything else we haven't covered when it comes to whether or not you should invest in a team of legend? No. There we go. All right. No, I think that's it, really. Okay, we've touched on tournaments, we've touched on competitive gaming, so let's go in for it now. And we're back. So, while we had a gathering of players who've played different editions of different games, and it seemed sensible to have a chat about actually competitive gaming in general. So while we are going to be focusing on Blood Bowl and how it works in the Blood Bowl land, actually we are going to talk about other systems and other games as well because one of the most excellent thing about Blood Bowl is, is tournaments. It's a gathering and whether you are considering a tournament because you're playing to win or a game day to play a bunch of games in one day, the that you're going there to a tournament to a competition and you have a different way of playing and most of the time it's a different game because it is uh, likely to be resurrection the format is likely to be similar it's it's what i've started to call constructed blood bowl as opposed to you know league and, and that kind of things but what we're going to talk about is just competitive gaming and we've got ian here who's played in a ton of aos events um and milton you're a old school warhammer veteran like i am so i'm sure you've gone to stores and played games and i don't know if you've ever played in friday night magics or anything like that but yeah when it comes to competitive gaming and it comes to competitive blood bowl you know we've just spent half an hour talking about building a team for the for the purposes of building a team to have something special you've made and to play it for something cool and to run it for a tournament i mean when you go to a tournament, what are the reasons you would go? What are you aiming to get out of that event, Milton? Yeah, so I think, like, for me in particular, like, I never go into a Blood Bowl game without the intention of winning. Like, I think, like, I, I understand what Ian said earlier, like, about the league play and and you know like okay the things have changed a little bit and maybe if you're looking at the spp farm or whatever but particularly in the tournament setting like i want to go and have fun of course but my objective is always to try and win the game because i want to give my opponent like a good game um and so like i try and take that mindset and it doesn't always go your right uh, the, the way that you're expecting it to um but um you know, I guess like for me, that's that's always my objective is to go out to have fun, most importantly. But I'd like to win. Um, I've come there to compete. It's a competition, and uh, at the end of the day, that's that's what I want to get out of it. And and Ian, you 
you've played in a ton of Blood Bowl events, but you've also played in a ton of AOS events. Now, AOS, I see as being a much more competitive environment than Blood Bowl is. Um, it feels that way as an outsider. Yeah, because I kind of see it the other way, to be honest. And that is why we are here yeah, to chat about it. Interesting, because my kind of experience of maybe Blood Bowl is that there's more focus on the gaming side of it. Um, whereas I feel like with a lot of um, AOS and maybe other game systems, oh, I can't really speak to them too much. Um, there's more of a spread of um, like the hobby aspect. You know, there's a lot of like painting prizes, for example, which is one reason I like to go to try and compete in that aspect as well. Um, whereas Blood Bowl, some of the tournaments I've been to maybe haven't even done a best team or a, a kind of, you know, best painted that sort of thing. And it's purely about the gaming. Um, but yeah, I guess whether that means it feels more or less competitive is another thing, isn't it? Yeah, that's really interesting. So from an outsider, army games seem, um, it's probably just, it is probably a perception thing, okay? Because the games are longer. It seems like they're longer. They're probably about the same time. Blood Bowl takes two to three hours. I imagine AOS takes two to three hours unless you get double turned and lose. Um, and it's just, you've got that that aspect of you're playing multiple games. Now, be Blood Bowl is like Milton said, you, you play every game to win because when it comes to Blood Bowl, in every game and in every situation, there is an out, right? Unless you're 3-0 down at turn four of the second half, in which case all you can really do is shoot for something else. Um, but ultimately, most of the time, you've got whatever team you've got, there is a chance of winning. And you, you want to try and pull it off because if you're running stunty for the lols, you really want to pull off something funny because it's it's hilarious to, to win against a team you shouldn't win. Like and obviously there's a stunty code which is a draw as a win anyway. So you know you you're in a really good spot when you're going stunty or whether you're taking it to go for most casualties. Now there's a ton of different reasons to go to an event. One, like like you guys have said, is just to get a ton of games in with a specific team, have fun, try a new build, try a new you know tactic, just try and challenge yourself. And I don't know if that's something you see from other competitive tabletop games. I mean Ian probably is. Can, can, you've played in a lot of AOS events and, and things. And it, yeah. do you, when you come across the players, like I've played in so much Blood Bowl that you come across everybody. And like Milton said, everybody is trying to win, but yeah. there are very few players that are trying to win at all costs. And I guess yes. that feels different from an outside perspective when you look at like AOS and things. And that's probably, that's probably investment bias. Like, it costs £76 yeah. pounds to buy a Team of Legend. It costs £76 pounds to run Goblins. Like, you know? Yeah. No, I can Yeah, I can see that. Yes. And whereas if you spend hundreds on an army, you maybe feel... As in, you take it more seriously. Is that what you mean? Yeah, basically. Like, you have invested more. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, dear. Oops. And I guess when it comes to Blood Bowl, uh, net decking is a lot less powerful than it is in a lot of other tabletop games i think yeah or you know blooming ccgs so whether you're playing uh warhammer underworlds and you're literally net decking whether you're taking the top list from magic the gathering and running or whether you're taking top tier lists from uh the most recent you know american aos tournament and buying a load of units to get into it if you are choosing a top tier tournament roster uh from blood bowl 
So, you know, let's say everybody now goes and runs that vampire roster from, from Thug Bowl. Uh, you're not going to have the same results. And I, I don't know whether it is just that actually net decking in tabletop games is, is a massive misnomer. I, mean, I Yeah, actually on that point, because the net decking one is a really interesting one. I think uh, in tabletop games, let's say, you know, talking from experience of like 40k in AOS, um, because it's a lot more dynamic in terms of what changes and what's good than, say, Blood Bowl. You know, uh, you could go to an event one month with the, this top-tier army, stomp everyone, and then an FAQ comes out and suddenly your points have changed and you can't take that again. Um, that doesn't happen in Blood Bowl. It does barring you know, addition changes. Well, you know, um, we'll, we'll see what happens kind of to the uh, closed the tier static, teams. isn't it? <laughs> It is, and that that does lead to it being solved. But and and I don't know. I think there's probably an element of safety in that that, that goes towards it. But let's let's talk about competitive gaming at a higher level for this now, because net decking and things like that are everywhere. And yeah. ultimately, is it? Do you guys think it's down to the game or the players? And do you think that's interchangeable? Um, I don't know. there's a mixture there. Really, I mean, if if there's an obvious break in the game system and people are going to exploit, people people are going to exploit it. It's like human nature, isn't it? It's like you, if you find something and you're like, oh, well, this isn't quite right, but this is what it says. So nobody says that I can't do that. I, you know, I have, people are going to go ahead and do it. Um, I have an amazing example of this. So, Ground Zero, on. Ground Zero Games produced a spaceship game called Full Thrust. And Craig and I went through a period of where we played this game regularly. I think we probably dragged Ian into it a couple of times. And I was reading the rules and I discovered that you could pre-plan a faster than light jump point and just basically deep strike your ships onto the table. And if those ships landed within six inches of any other ship, it just did straight up damage, what we'd call mortal wounds now. And I built a fleet that was built entirely around this. And I just had an entire fleet of corvettes that was just planned to redeploy into where i thought craig would be at turn two and craig deployed his fleet moved in exactly the way i expected him to do and then i dropped about 20 of these ships out of ftl on top of his fleet which then just caused this massive chain reaction and by the end of t turn two and this is like a 12 turn game normally I just game hacked my way. And actually we we came to a we wrote the accords to say that that rule would never be used again. But it was just you know, you're looking at it and you're like, well, I'm gonna try this, you know? Because you're right, Milton, it is second nature, because we're gamers and we are designed to game the system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think on that, yeah, it's I think perhaps with war game tournaments, it's the winners are generally uh what is under-costed and over-efficient that's quite often what it is and then over time that will change is that not um, every game though because is that not exactly well, the same that's what i'm saying i don't yeah. know if it is in blood bowl well, is it in blood bowl it is in blood bowl though isn't it you know if you look at the teams that do the best um it is the ones that have the most efficient players elves have always yeah. been historically brilliant because they have the most efficient costing like you said ian they are humans that do everything 16% better at uh, a 20, 20k cost increase, you know, and Hackflem is so efficiently costed. 
that actually he's just too good not to take most of the time. Yeah, it's when there's the no-brainer choices, isn't it? That's the... And so that's it. I think what's interesting is we're seeing a lot more of this now in Blood Bowl because of the new edition. People are working out the new edition. Obviously, previously, the 2016 rule set and the rules in general hadn't changed all that much. And so those tiers and that kind of power level had sort of been worked out. You know, we we, we saw a lot of, of um, lists and things and a, a lot of statistics of a lot of games that kind of put things where you'd expect them to sort of be as a win percentage. But this new edition, no different than we've just seen these vampires just like completely blow things out of the water. Um, people are finding these these niche lists or these like slight changes to the rule set or the way that the new rules work. I think we're going to see a few more of these kind of surprise surprise lists winning tournaments until things kind of settle down. I hope so, because I think it's an awesome part of the meta. Because Ian is right, like a lot of games, if not almost every other game that is played competitively, has some kind of rotation. So, oh, goodbye, Orc. Whether it is actual rotation in most CCGs or um, just what feels like rotation with when it comes to like FAQs and stuff, which did sort of happen with Blood Bowl, but only as far as uh, Hail Mary. Um, otherwise, yeah, I know, no, I know that was just a bad change in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Although accurate on fungus flingers is wicked. Ten out of ten would recommend. Um, <laughs> there's that hot hot tip there. But I think that that rotation element does bring balance and a meta shift. And and we've talked about it on the podcast loads of times that we'd actually love a general's handbook for Blood Bowl that just tweaked some of the costs like that that's all it would take like okay dwarves are outperforming let's increase them 5k per dude like um hackflem's overperforming let's pop him at 210 you know let's cycle it every year just have these little adjustments to keep that meta fresh so that the game stops from being completely and utterly solved like it was yeah. in the before times see that's that's what yeah i think that would be really good but i don't think games workshop are going to throw that level of commitment to it and I don't think it would land very well with Blood Bowl because even though, like you said, Ian, Blood Bowl is, uh, you know, a, a, it is a competitive game when it comes to tournaments. But it, Games Workshop see it as a really casual game, which is really interesting. And I think that's probably why sometimes it it gets solved and stays solved because it's not designed to be a competitive game. There, There isn't really a meta. At the moment, there is just an overperformance of the tackle skill that's as close to a meta as we've got really right now mm -hmm. um by the way chaos dwarves when they land are going to be unless they get nerfed in some way are going to be absolutely well i that would be absolutely <laughs> brutal but quite frankly dwarves and chaos dwarves are keeping hack in check but what we're going to do is we're just going to cast our eyes back to the last edition where it was for all intents and purposes solved but the win percentage was so close that it it was still you could take any team and you could win on any tournament day but the majority of the top 10 were going to be the same teams those were the teams that had the most efficient players but you always kind of felt that there was two classes of player at a blood bowl event and i don't yeah. know if this is also true for other kind of competitive environments is you know 
are you going to run wood elves and be a tryhard? You know, we went to Beachhead, Ian, and I took the Skaven uh, just because I could play them quick and do it all right. But every other tournament I'd gone to, I'd taken uh, a tier two or a tier three tournament because I didn't want to be seen as a tryhard, I guess, because I didn't want to take wood elves and suck. You know, because it's brutal to take one of the top teams and just do really badly. It's much better to, to you know, I always found it much better, much more challenging to take a tier two yeah. team. Or, yeah, there's a lot less pressure, isn't there? Yeah, there's a lot less pressure and a lot less, a lot more, I don't know, value to be gained. Like, so I went with Ogres was at one event and went one, one and one. And I felt great about it. Yeah, I yeah. feel like, you, yeah, you feel like every result you've uh you've really worked for don't you yeah but if you take you know um a, a, a wood elf team to the old edition and you didn't do very well there's a feel bad there but yeah in the new edition they have fixed that for the most part unless it's chaos dwarves with morgue and Hackflem, which is just you know pretty tasty every team is kind of they're sitting in there except goblins bless them down at 35 percent win rate everything else is basically between 46 and 54 percent win rate which is a brilliant cluster like that is a brilliant cluster of win rate and while Hackflim is overperforming with underworld everything else is actually in a really tight pack which doesn't feel the same as last time it feels like you can take any roster and compete in blood bowl but there are some teams that are better anyway i'm kind of rambling just about how blood bowl works this one um Milton has done a great bit of show notes for us discuss underworld Hackflim build for blood bowl tournaments Shall we shall we talk about the elephant in the room, Hackflem, and star players in general? Because Hackflem, Griff, Cheney isn't as game changing. Uh, although Milton, you did just say about like uh, teams like some tawny tech that you see come out. Joe um, Joe Solo took that two Tomb Guardian Kemri list with Cheney and stormed it the first half of a tournament before having just the worst luck in the world. But I did think, wow, that's a really creative roster. And we're still going to see that stuff. But the meta has changed. And do you guys see much difference in Hackflem being the top tier team rather than just Wood Elves, Dark Elves and Amazons being the top three teams? Yeah, I'd say actually it, it definitely feels in this edition like maybe it is because there's less star players. And maybe because the ones, you know, they've got those abilities and stuff now. There's more impact to them i don't know do you feel like that because i've been to a few tournaments and i kind of rarely remember really playing against many star players so on the the one hand for example (laughs) on the one hand there is there's the propensity for people to forget the star player powers right now because it's like right how does the how do the rules work these days and i've also got hack phlegm and he's also got this power that knocks a dude down like people are going to forget their feats and then he gets the ball for free and then he gets the ball for free which i didn't use once you know um didn't need to he was just helps if you remember it yeah it does massively help if you remember it um it's funny because i don't think people remember that amazons with roxana was kind of the underworld and hack phlegm of the old edition it's just that people were more um, sore about the guard spam at the same time with Amazons because Roxy yeah. was so cheap that they could run her uh, just because of girl power and you just have Roxy smash in face and basically being a hack for them of the old times with Leap before Leap was better. Uh, before Leap was better. The Leap is kind of better now. But, I mean, the star players, 
they're kind of like it's like an arms race right i feel like because of the star players have got such an impact it, it is more like hack phlegm has a 50 percent win percentage is your team going to add four or take four away from hack phlegm's win percentage i wonder as well if it's because there's generally speaking a lot less star players now and all of them make more impact. So that you, there's less of the smaller star players, isn't there? Uh, yeah, there is. It's less like that one chainsaw dude, you know, that Nibbler or whatever his name is. Uh, uh, obviously, yeah. Nobbler Blackwater will we'll be back. But that's what I mean. There's low, There's less small star players that right. are just like a blitzer with one extra skill. Uh, which is a bit of a shame because I think that, 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 but yes, you're right. Star players, right. star players have gone from being what used to be toolkit pieces. I think it's like I'm going to take my team and I'm going yeah. to upgrade with the tackle star player um, to now kind of being a massive build around as far as the, the team construction goes. Yeah, it does massively change. Like, okay, am I going to go for like two rerolls, but I take this as Uber player? Yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I do quite like how it's how it is now um but when we get more star players i think i think what's gonna happen i'd love your guys thoughts on this is i think that those star players that land that are just not as valuable are just not gonna matter like it's gonna be oh nice and move on yeah i suspect so too i was just having this like thought though i know it's probably never gonna happen but it kind of it kind of adds on to what you were saying earlier but how cool would it be if like they gave narrative to the star players, and so they released like a spike or something every year. Like you were saying about the general's handbook, which is just like grifted so and so with the imperial nobility team, blah blah oh, blah. No. blah. And he injured himself, yeah, and now he's worth less. <laughs> Hackflem now has one head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, War Machine uh, is a kind of game that I think has died a bit of a death, but it was produced by Privateer Press. Actually, I think they ended the world. I think they they killed the world or something. Anyway, don't really matter. No, do that. Uh, Yeah, I know. Um, But they had basically different heroes or warcasters that the story progressed and they had different editions of the heroes as they came out. There was like Epic, this guy, and Junior, this guy. Uh, Those were definitely not the terms. I can't remember what they were because I never really played. I just liked listening to it. Um, And... I, I, you know, that was a really cool and narrative way to progress it, and it's just, it's just really interesting because Blood Bowl, from a competitive point of view, that is the thing that is missing, because there is no change. So we got Frankenstein, and Frankenstein will probably never see play because he is, quite frankly, just not as good as Zug, uh, or as good as Griff. So if you've got the Castro Ford Griff. You would never take, you know, you'd never take Frank. And if you can afford Frank, you might as well just take Zug because he's just as good. And we're going to see a lot of these star players that I think land that are just going to be of no consequence at all. Which is a bit of a shame, but I think... I I have a funny feeling Max might be like that. He's going to be more expensive than, um, than, than what's his face? Um, than uh, than man chainsaw, and I think I think yeah. I think you're right. I think that's going to oh. happen. Now, 
oh, oh man, I was going to say, that's it, actually. Ian, in AOS, I've yeah. always found it very strange that Nagash is fighting every battle, but, you know, Nagash is all. Um, but, uh, but you guys have explained it to me a couple of times, like, actually, no, it's about that you're focusing in on this big, there's a big battle going on, but the... Yeah, that's you know, how I've seen it explained. I think it was a, a Phil Kelly or Gav Thorpe or something was... Uh, did an article and yeah you're kind of representing that snapshot of a bigger conflict kind of uh, yeah you're looking at the the avengers heroic bit happening which i yeah, get yeah. and i like um but, but but when it comes to aos for example competitively is it is it special character heavy in the way that blood bowl is now yeah i think it is yeah so do yeah. we think that is a Games Workshop design or do we think Games Workshop have gone that way because it is what people want or what the market is shown from other games like War Machine um, where the special character is the game? Yeah, well, I mean, we I, certainly I have a lot more like tabletop representation from them. You know, we've got a fairly fleshed out range of minis for all the star players. So... Yeah, perhaps. I mean, one one way I've heard, like, um, I listened to like quite a few like law videos and stuff with like um, two plus tough Doug. He's awesome. Love Doug. Um, and one thing he comes back to is that it's the characters that define the army, not the other way around, sort of thing. So if you're kind of looking at the army and you want an example of what is an orc, uh, you know, you look at Gaskell. Yeah. Or if you're kind of looking for an example of what a an old school high elf was you know you look at Tyrion and teclas like they're kind of exemplars aren't they and people connect with them um and I, I don't know if it's the same in blood bowl i don't know if people feel the same connection because it feels a lot more it's your team they're not tied to a specific place i mean you could argue maybe that the the blood bowl teams have got less kind of established character to them haven't they like this human team no one's you know forcing it to be from the empire or yeah no one's forcing uh, it to be reichland reavers exactly yeah. no whereas yeah, you know i think you're right you don't get like many people that have like painted their team up as the reichland reavers or the gouged eye or whatever and they're trying to like narratively play blood bowl but you yes. get a lot of people in like 40k playing ultramarines and oh, god yeah blooming ultramarines um well that's um... it i based my army around like one character i bought which was the Uriel Uriel Ventress. Ventress. Uh, and that yeah. kind of sparked the interest for me um which is in whereas in blood bowl i don't think you necessarily get that as much so i have a, a follow-up question at this point here now in um what if we see uh like comp lists like we do in other games Okay, so this used to, War Machine was a great example of this because you had the different Warcasters and the Warcasters had different traits that kind of comboed yeah. well with different units. So you would be running X person in this army. So very similar to what you've just described with AOS. Like I am running the uh, the Valdor shark list from the Fish Elves, right? Love um, those guys. Yeah, right. And you had that sort of thing. So what if they release not necessarily a spike but maybe they release a you know a death zone that features um you know okay you've got humans uh but actually you can run your humans as the bright crusaders um the bright crusaders have this roster instead 
yeah yeah see that's kind of what they're doing with the chosen of it to a degree which hopefully they kind of build on because i think that's a really cool avenue what's the Um, oh the chaos chosen of chaos yeah uh to be okay you can be a chosen of court and then automatically you're it's kind of sparking like it i'm going to build them going to paint them in a certain way uh maybe that will change my star player access maybe that will change my inducements uh and all that sort of fun stuff but yeah i think we've talked before about how it would be cool to have that for like vampires like pick a bloodline oh, the bloodlines changes, slightly changes your uh your vampire and it would just add yeah uh, I guess from Blood Bowl, it's a tighter system in general, and adding even more variables, people are going to feel differently about that. You've got to think about whether it would be good or bad, because in in some elements it would be really fun. It'd be really interesting. I think that creativity, yeah, and kind of the hobby aspect, absolutely. But yeah, more variables it means kind of more opportunity to break the game. A stupid, yeah combo that doesn't get seen and gets let through the net sort of thing yeah totes op combos so um we talked about the the fundamentals of it i mean a great point here is about time investment when it comes to a game like blood bowl the core skills of the game are transferable for every team because you are playing the same game for every team unlike in some other games so if you're playing magic there are several different architects archetypes of deck but each deck plays differently depending on the individual components. I believe AOS is very similar to that, Ian, right? Because it's very combo-driven um, <laughs> from what I've seen. Whereas Blood Bowl, uh, you are playing... You're always playing Blood Bowl. So goblins do the same thing as humans. They just do it worse or better. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably why I loved Warhammer Fantasy Battle is because everything was the same. They just had little variations and little different yeah. choices. So I, I think that is my probably my biggest frustration with AOS at the moment is there's a real lack, in my view, of uh, like core special rules. Um, I think it came from a place where every it had you know when it first dropped there was a four page rule book and every other <laughs> rule was on each unit's card. So it was very hard to know what someone else's army did without a bit of knowledge. Um, whereas Blood Bowl, it's great. You can say, what skills have you got? That, 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 and that. Yeah. You've got in your core book. All the skills are there. I'm a little You're bit. On the same I'm a little bit surprised we haven't seen uh, team-specific rules yet. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think that's I'm, a good thing, personally. I do too. I am just a little bit surprised. And I think as they move on, it, it does seem to be the very Games Workshop direction to kind yeah. of... Yeah, I mean, they've snuck it a little bit on the star players, that's, haven't they? That's it. It, it. If you look at Kill Team, if you look at AOS, if you look at Adeptus Titanicus, now AT is a superb core game, but now 33% of the game at least is in comp is in choosing stuff that happens outside of the game. And that's awesome if you're a meta player and you love list building, but I think there's a huge chunk yeah. of that in AOS. Magic is entirely that, right? Yeah. Isn't it? You if, are, you're, if you get out of it for a few months, it's quite hard to then yeah. get so, back in and feel like you know what you're doing, doesn't it? The, the question is like about time investment, the more you play. So when it comes to Blood Bowl, playing Goblins alone, is gonna, you're going to learn lessons for when you're playing humans, for when you're playing against dwarves, you know? I mean, yeah. what were your thoughts on, on that, Milton, when it comes to your time investment? 
Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. Like in terms of Blood Bowl, your but not just like your own team, teams you're playing against. So if you're just if you've just bought a goblin team and you're just playing goblins, chances are you're probably playing against a variety of different teams, and you're learning them at the same time that you're learning yours. And of course you're you're going to come across these teams more and more and more. Compositions are likely to be the same. Whereas when you talk about your big war gaming, you know you can you can pick a an orc army versus a Tyranid army, for example, and they, you can have like so many different variations of that, so many different like, you know, different tabletops with different scenery, different arrangements, different ways of playing it. You'd never play the same game twice. And okay, yeah, you wouldn't say play the same game twice with Blood Bowl, but you play, you pick up on the similarities of the rules and 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 the compositions of the team and what they do and you can learn it quicker and like you say you can then reuse that if you decide you're going to pick that team up now you're you're right milton that you don't play the same game of blood bowl twice but every setup has a has a very big similarity to it i know you've, yeah. you've put in here like discuss tactics and resources to help you get better for example uh, the Bono podcast videos on setups and builds and things but actually the setups the setup stuff like that is it is kind of formulaic there are just like you know what chevron and anchor if that's all you know you're good to go um and put it all on the line <laughs> yeah <laughs> you could definitely do that um but you know you that is transferable all the time and i think that is an actual i think that's a really big strength to the game and i think that's what hits the charm of blood bowl and puts it in that weird land of a lot of this is consistent but it isn't as powerful or overwhelming in in blood bowl so you can still you can learn skills for every team and it, it translates brilliantly um <laughs> you put a, a comment here about Lemp, uh, Milton. Uh, yeah, so I think I was talking about like you know, you know the amount of time you've invested in learning to play the game, like using resources like Blood Bowl Two or Blood Bowl Three when it comes out and Fumble, and um, like obviously the more time you spend doing something, the the better at it you get. You know, you're not expecting to walk into something completely fresh and just be absolutely amazing at it. And so, you know, if you're you're really into the idea of competitive gaming and you want to get better at something, you need to, you know, be willing to, you know, make that time investment. And you can see that it pays off. And I think think it's length. He's he's, got, I don't know how many hours. He's like 4,000 or something into Fumble. Wow, that is... I think it's more than that. Um. Um, I know he's put a lot of time into it, and he's a he's a fantastic player. You know, Simon talks about him a lot. I think Ben had a great game with him. At, um, he did, yeah. Istanbul. But, and, um, you know, Wayne is another great player to put in here. Wayne, who's won two of our tournaments, uh, I came, I think, third at Thud Bowl. You know, he, he's just great. He plays a different team every tournament because he's got the fundamentals down. You can transfer it, and it doesn't matter what team Wayne's playing. He gets the game and he can see it. It's like the chosen one. Like I'm sure when he sits down, all he sees is tackle zones and probabilities. It's like <laughs> it's amazing, um, especially for a lad who plays most of his games drunk. I think it's just it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and I, you can see, you know, 
like these guys have, have, have sunk a lot of hours into into playing the game and playing it really well and um you can see that it pays off i think i think we've got one last point here which i think is potentially the biggest one which is around what's the pros and cons of competitive gaming so i mean milton kick us off you can choose to be positive or negative competitive gaming scene for for blood Bowl. Um, what's 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 a pro or con of it so specifically for blood Bowl, i think you know <sighs> i think the pros are that it creates an interesting and um i'd say a fairly diverse tournament scene um you get to see a lot of, of of good players. You get to play some really good matches. I think potentially a a negative point of it is it's difficult for um for sort of new players to kind of ramp up into that. Um, you can feel that you know. I think in any game when you're playing it competitively, you kind of come across someone that's that far ahead of you in terms of their understanding and their um their um, ability to play the game and it can be overwhelming so there's a that is i think blood bowl strikes a really good balance though to be honest i think this is why i like the game so much is that in all of my experiences playing it whether it's against somebody who has sunk massive amount of time into it and is a fantastic player and um you know i'm i go into the match with the anticipation of you know having a tough game or whether it's teaching somebody to play the game um who's completely fresh i always get a good experience from it because there is a degree of um <laughs> randomness with the dice rolls there's always like crazy stuff that happens that you're just not expecting um and and there is a good balance in the game you know and, and in the community in general yeah i i think that's very very fair ian would you have anything to add to that yeah i think there's a, a few loads of different aspects to it isn't it um i think whenever you go to a kind of competitive event uh, you're kind of putting yourself out there. And I think you have to have a certain degree of robustness to go. Um, you know, you're playing against unknown people, there's that kind of whole social aspect as well, isn't there? You're kind of away from your club. Uh, but yeah, I think on the whole, like, if you go to enough of these events, you, you get to know like a certain circuit of people and it's a really nice community um that you can get involved with and it's it's nice to see people you've played before at a different event and you know you instantly you've got that connection haven't you of like eh, how's it all going and stuff and it is it uh, is an awesome aspect yeah i think um sometimes you know if you depending on how competitive you go into it um if you're if you get used to winning <laughs> um it can be it becomes a bit addictive and i think you've got to be careful sometimes um that if you go and you don't win then that uh, and you're used to winning and you're fully expecting to win or however it is or it doesn't go your way because blood bowl does that doesn't it oh blood bowl um, will kick you yeah, right in the does. soul 
Yeah, I think you've just got to be prepared for that as well and be able to kind of laugh it off. Um, and kind of, yeah, you're, you're there to play another person, aren't you? So um, one of my aims is definitely always to try and give the other person a good game. Um, and I'd rather have three games where everyone had a really good time than three games where I won but had three miserable opponents. And um, even in even in in Blood Bowl, I think this is one of the greatest things. You will always get like I don't know a couple of people. I don't know a couple of people in a hundred that are there to win, and they hate it if they don't win, right? Yeah. But I think when it comes to tournaments, I have only ever had really great experiences at a Blood Bowl event because I think I think you both said it. Like Blood Bowl is just there is that element of randomness that means you can flip and lose any game. Right. And yeah. sometimes you, the game is lost because of the dice rolls you haven't rolled yet. Like it doesn't even matter what you do. We've all had those turns where you've gone, right, I'm going to do this safe thing. And it's a one as OK. I've got dodge and it's another one. And never mind. Yeah. Like it, it just sometimes you just don't get to play the game. And it's the same with magic. Like sometimes, you know what? You just get mana screwed. You just draw lands like that. You can't win that game. And that element of randomness helps take the edge off losing but also means that there's always that chance of winning like and i think that's one of the the best things when it comes to competitive gaming is because there is always a chance because of the randomness like anybody can be anybody and that's huge but the thing i thought you were going to say ian is um if you if you rock up and your first game is against a tryhard and you get blown out, uh, your second game is going to be middle of the table or bottom of the table, and you're going to be up against somebody who's having a very similar day. Yeah, you can submarine. <laughs> 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 I like to lose my first game. Don't normally have a choice, but yeah. I think, actually, if particularly on like a two-dayer, um, the first couple of games are often really tense because everyone knows they've still got a chance of taking it out. <laughs> and winning the event once that possibility is removed you know maybe you lost your first game or you lost your second game your third game and then going into the second day is normally just really chilled because people aren't there to win anymore they're there for some good games because they're there and they've bought their ticket <laughs> yeah mm. that's really fair i i did not do that at sandball i somehow won my first two games and drew my third and ended up on the top table at the end round so it meant that every game was keeps like the pressure up. yeah yeah every game was like oh my god i could i can do this like oh no i've still i've got to play now like i've got to go i've got to see what i can achieve like come on let's see if we can take snotlings all the way to the top like it does put that pressure on but i have been on the other side of that where i've absolutely tanked it first and then you you're playing against a stunty team in the second round and it's like oh how'd you do and they're like yeah i lost seven nil and i was like oh i was over by turn three because my team melted because ian put them in the microwave with his dice and it's um <laughs> you know and and you're right and that's the other great thing about competitive gaming i think you guys have both called it out here is that it's a game day and if you are there to win because that's what you are there for you will end up potentially playing against other people that are in the same zone as you if you're there to play games you're going to end up playing against people who are there to play a great game of blood bowl to play a great yeah. game of aos like but yeah it, it it all depends on where your angle is and because of events and how they work generally speaking you're going to end up playing against people who are of similar minds than you um 
And I, yeah, I normally that was out after a couple of games, definitely. Yeah, I think that you can, there's always the possibility of having a kind of a big mismatch or a bit of a stinker on your first game or two. But uh, generally speaking, if you can hold in there, hang on, we didn't we have this at one of our events. What was it? Someone was it you, Ian, who ended up playing Amazons in an event and ended up putting dwarves or chaos dwarves first or something? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, that is the worst matchup. <laughs> Yeah, like straight up, first game only only Chaos Dwarf team, only Amazon team lined up. Um, I'll teach you for running Amazons, but yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you do kind of you do kind of play it out. So the competitive element of any game is great. It actually makes a good fun story, regardless of whether you're involved or not. Like all of us have been quite piqued by the fact that a a, um, a vampire team did really well, like. It doesn't matter to any of us, like doesn't matter at all, but it's it's interesting. It creates a story. And that is one other great thing about competitive gaming is it creates that meta. It creates that Dunno, there is just something about it. There is something about that competitive. What element. there is as well is it's it goes beyond uh an anecdote from your local league. I think there's the kind of community buy in to the bigger tournaments, isn't there? Like everyone gets even if you're not there, like you get a degree of experience. You know what teams you're you're rooting for. Um, if a team does really surprisingly well, you want to know what did they take, what did they do, you know. Uh, and there's that kind of yeah, like excitement and um, yeah, definitely. I think um, it galvanizes the community as well. If there's a big event, it really does. Um, and it's because it's kind of the pinnacle, isn't it? In a sense, obviously we all love our leagues, but. That kind of going and testing your skills and and seeing what's out there is is really exciting. You're making it sound like Pokemon now, Ian. I'm, I'm like, <laughs> like like the Get time like the time we went and challenged <laughs> the Nintendo official magazine Pokemon Masters back in the day. Yeah. I, I wasn't allowed I, I to play football. Did you not come? No, I was. Uh, I had a football match. That was my my first ever tournament environment of anything. <laughs> was me rocking up with uh, my Pokemon Red. You take Mewtwo. I did take. I think I had yeah. two Mewtwo's. You know, it was <laughs> rare, rare candy to the max. Uh, everybody was rare candy to the max, and it was, it was yeah. just, it was awesome. Filth. It was complete filth, even back then in the days of black and white gaming. Uh, it was wicked. Right, guys, is there anything else you think we should mention before we kind of wrap up now? Because it is half eleven, and I've kept you guys for for far too long. Uh, I think we could. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for hanging out with us and listening tonight. I mean, it's 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 these are really interesting things. And even though we talked about them for a couple of hours, I really don't think we've finished. I think there's so much more. Uh, so, I, surface. yeah, let's <laughs> let's see the comments. Let's get involved. And actually, I think we, we can we can carry it on in another episode because it is so much of a big thing. I love esports. I love t sports, and I I love seeing where it's going because it just creates a really cool unifying challenge and it's just really interesting but milton and ian thank you ever so much for joining me tonight for covering for ben and for doing so very 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 well i appreciate it it's always it's always (laughs) it's always good to hang out with you guys anyway i I appreciate it so we'll wrap up now and uh guys once again thank you very much for joining us and everybody out there thank you very much for joining us and hanging out and talking about some blood bowl we will be back soon with more blood bowl content thank you ever so much happy blocking
thanks very much for watching we really appreciate your support if you want to help support the channel even further please like and subscribe or come join us on our patreon we have early access to content we get loads of feedback from you guys and we try and do competitions as much as we can or you can get yourself some bonehead podcast merch on our spreadshirt site so if you want to support a team especially for the bonehead championship you can pick up a shirt a mug things like that it all helps support the channel and we really appreciate it anyway links below thank you very much Happy blocking.